Blog Talk Radio. Hello, can you hear me now? This is Noel with the Bunker Report, the live edition of the Bunker Report. I hope that uh, everybody can hear me now. Uh, we're apparently we're experiencing some technical difficulties here. Let's see. Wonder if we're getting anywhere. Can anybody uh reply here that uh, they hear me in the chat room? I'm seeing nothing on my switchboard. Anybody hear me? Uh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Getting nothing. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, um, I don't know. I mean, do I continue to talk or not? Well, I hope somebody out there can hear me. I really do. I assume maybe the show's even be re- being recorded somewhere. But I'm not seeing anything. I don't know what's going on. Try again. Hmm. Aha. Maybe we're getting somewhere now. Hold on now. Hey, Bubba. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, man. Hey, you're you're cool. You're coming out. Everybody can hear you. Uh, what is your tr- is your chat room crashed or what? Yeah, it's crashed like every time I tried to bring it up. Okay, try it again now. Um, I'm in as the co-host, so you you're all hooked up and everybody hears you fine. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm echoing in the background because my speakers are up. <laughs> so okay. so yeah, I just wanted to let you know that that folks can hear you. And uh, uh, that, that they're they're definitely hanging out, waiting for the bunker report. So I'm going to start dropping the link in for those folks that don't have sound. And uh, well, thank you for showing up. We had someone hijack last week, so we had to switch some things around. I'm glad you got in. Okay. Yeah, I, I just uh, came in the door just now. I, I was working kind of late tonight, and I'm like, whoa. And then I, I don't know what it is. I think it's crashed on me a couple times, or been a little funny. But okay, if you can hear me, we're good then. Yeah, yeah, we're good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and sign off. And after saying, well, thank you for thank you for being here. And anytime if you're gonna be late or anything, just just let me know, man, and I'll get it all up and running for you. Okay. All right, right. my man. Thank you, thank you. All right, good luck to you. Bye, everybody out there at Freedomizer. Okay, well, here we are. Again, this is a live edition of the Bunker Report. You know how live shows are. Guys, anything goes, guys, anything can happen. Um, yeah, apparently uh, the show was, uh, the way I understand it, was hacked at some point in time last week. It, it's been uh, been interesting. I've been, uh, it's, it's been very interesting. Okay, look, uh, let's, uh, let's start off by a little ad here, and then we'll get right back into a show. Stand by. Hey, Freedomizers, Freedomizer Radio and Dehydrate2Store.com have teamed up to give you an Excalibur Dehydrator giveaway. Go to www.dehydrate2store.com, that is dehydrate, the number two, store.com, and fill out the entry. One lucky listener will win an Excalibur Food Dehydrator on April 1st. The winner will be announced live on April 1st on air during the Proof Negative show, which is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., that is West Coast time, that is 9 p.m. to midnight on the East Coast. So sign up today 
by going to www.dehydrate2store.com. Okay, I'm back. This is Noel, Bunker Report Bubba. You can call me Noel, you can call me Bubba, you can call me Mr. Phelps, you can call me anybody you want to. Just don't call me late for dinner. I am suffering uh, from a little bit of an ailment today, so if you all please uh, forgive that. And if I I sound a little hoarse, um, I apologize for that. But we'll muddle through this show uh, together, as always. Look, uh, Doc put out a really good video yesterday or the other day, and I want to sort of refer you to that because that's sort of, that's sort of direction I want to take today. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, it was an article in Business Week, okay, uh, Bloomberg article. I'll read the headlines. You sh- if you go to my YouTube page uh, or Doc's page, um, you know, you can see what he said, and he's right. I mean, here it is in your face. Failed banks may get pension fund backing as FDIC seeks cash. Now, look, guys, what have we told you? I mean, for years, for years and years and years, I know. You know, you, you can look at this. You can look at these things and think that we're completely insane. I mean, we've so many people have told you about different events that have transpired, and yet most of you don't believe it. <clears throat> well, let me kind of – Doc put it best in his video. He really did. Uh, and actually, when he read the part, it just I fell off the—I just fell off the, the chair I was sitting in. The way they worded this—I mean, I shouldn't laugh about this—but the way they worded this was so funny. Because this is how they explain things to the American people. They just listen. The FDIC—I quote. This is a quote now. The FDIC is constantly looking at structures where it can get the greatest opportunity to tap into capital that we have not had the success reaching through previous deposition uh, methods. I mean, it's just, in other words, <clears throat> we're broke and we've got to, ta- we've got to get the uh, capital. And in other ways, what we're going to do is we're going to come get your pension funds. Haven't we told you this, fellow patriots? Have we not explained this to you over the years? Even recently, look, if you have, if you're in a pension fund right now, if you okay, there are many Americans that have just got a, just have gotten started on their retirement. They're of at that age. You've worked all your life at some factory somewhere. Maybe you were a car. Maybe you put together cars. Maybe you were steel worked at a steel mill. Maybe some other line of work. And you you were a skilled trade. I mean you you put thirty, forty, maybe even longer years at a at a factory that manufactured specific goods that benefited this country, okay, that, that steel, uh, automobiles, um, just all the things that America is, has manufactured over the years, okay, raw materials and turn them into various metals to be used in those other areas. And you've worked at these factories and you've, you've gone to work day in and day out for 30, 40, maybe even longer years, and they've promised you a pension. You put all this money away, and, and, and you, your, your employers put this money away into a pension. And maybe you have a 401k on top of that. You know, before there was no such things as 401ks. Everybody had a pension. Even if you worked at a mom and pop grocery store, at one point in time in this country, you had a retirement plan. It was a pension. Most employers offered a pension, but you see, they had to do away with that. So they came they came around with the 401k plans and. 
investment plans. And, you know, the last big 401k plan that completely failed was uh, Enron, if you can remember that. I mean, there's been others since then, but the really big one that everybody, I think, remembers pretty clearly is Enron. There are people that had millions and millions of dollars they invested in Enron's 401k plans. They had a nest egg. They thought they were just riding pretty, and then all of a sudden the whole thing collapsed, and they had absolutely nothing, nothing. See all that money and those little statements? You know, I bet you those people still have those statements from their, from their plans that they got every month or every quarter. They're worthless. They're just statements that told them that they had maybe they, some people had millions of dollars into their retirement. They didn't see dime one. They lost it all. So what makes you think, uh, most of you patriots already know this. I'm kind of talking to the choir, preaching to the choir, as they say here. But uh, what makes you think, for those, for the rest of you, that they're not going to take the pension that you're involved with, that they're not going to take the 401K that you're involved with? Believe me, they are going to take it from you. Do you think they're going to let you collect? Honestly, there's, there's another huge segment of America that's getting ready to retire here. I mean, a large segment of baby boomers are already in the retirement books right now, but there's a whole other segment that's about ready to retire here soon. And all those people once, do you think they're going to let everybody collect? No, they're not going to let people collect. No way. They never intended on that many people collecting to begin with. Some of you are getting a pension right now. Some of you are maybe getting 401, maybe, maybe you know, in your 401Ks now, and you're receiving that revenue, and you're getting Social Security, okay? And maybe you're thinking to yourself, hey, I'm doing pretty good, you know? I've worked 30 or 40 years, and you're right. <clears throat> you have done that. I can, I can enjoy the retirement, the retirement years, you know? But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. That's all going to go away. You're going to literally wake up one morning and whatever money you thought you had and whatever account you thought it was in will cease to exist. You're not going to have access to it. You're not going to be able to get to it. And if you can get to it, it's going to be completely worthless anyway. The banks aren't going to give it to you. Maybe some will, you know, and that's and that, we're not even talking about the fact that they might switch the currency over, which been here comes the Amero again. I think Monograph, you know who he is, he's touched on that here. <clears throat> Pardon me. You know, they're talking about the Amero all over again. North American currency. You're going to give them $2, and they're going to give you an America, uh, Amero, and it's supposed to be backed by gold. You know, and it's, and it's, it's going to encompass the Canadian, Mexican, uh, Mexico, and, and, and American money. It's going to be the whole North American Union money like they have the euro, you know. Oh, that's not going to happen. They're trying it. <laughs> that's not going to happen. They're ramrodding, trying to ramrod this health care plan through. And we all know what this health care plan really is all about, don't we? I mean, those of us who have looked into it and have, and, and have looked into it a little bit anyway, it's complete socialism, not saying that's not what we're not living under right now. But you talk about the real iron fist coming down. Oh, it's a, it'll be you'll be iron fist in your face. You know some of the stuff that's in that bill. Who knows how many more times they're going to change it to get it through? You'll never be able to read it anyway till after it's passed. If you'll even be able to read it, Congress probably won't be able to read it. They never have. They'll just okay. That yeah, sounds good. They'll sign off on it. 
Isn't that great? <clears throat> your so-called elected representatives, your elected representatives, they sign off on stuff that they don't even read. They don't care. It sounds good. We'll vote for it. They're all on a take, man. When are you people going to realize this? You know? Oh, is that a radical thing to say? I don't think that it is. Quite frankly, if you distrust your government, if you don't distrust your government and you consider yourself an American, uh, you're not American. That, uh, any American that I know. So many things we've brought to you over the years, uh, over these last few years. So many situations that are coming around right now. And there are many, of, many people out there who just don't believe it. It's not going to happen. It's too big to fail, just like a lot of these banks are too big to fail. Uh-huh. Sure, sure they are. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk, you know, if, if you still think that they're not going to take the not going to take your pension away from you. They're not going to take your social security away from you. If you still think that after the next couple of years, then uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. America's in for in for a rude awakening here soon, guys. See, really, this should have happened two years ago, but they changed the timeline. We've all heard it. Most of us have. The Illuminati, the New World Order, the elites, whatever terminology you want to get them, give them, the minions of the devil, in human form, they've changed the timeline. So, you know, got another two years, two-year reprieve. I hope you're doing something. I hope you're buying something. I hope it isn't paper. I hope you're putting food away. I hope you're putting ammunition away. I hope you're putting, you know, tools away. Not going to be a whole lot of those around. You're not going to be able to go down to the hardware store and buy some uh, nuts and bolts or some nails. Uh-uh. You're not going to do that. When the total economic chaos ensues, you're not going to be able to find those things. You're not going to be able to find a hardware store that's going to be open. You're going to be too busy making sure that people don't kill you or your family for the clothes you have on your back. That's how bad it's going to get. You see, there's got to be chaos first. For those of you who understand what all this really means, for those of you Bible-believing patriots out there who know what this all comes down to, You know it's going to get a lot worse. It's going to be a, it's going to be chaos, a lot of chaos, because that's the only way you're going to get order, order out of chaos. Come on, guys. You know, they're not going to quit. They're not going to quit. So what do you think? Uh, you think you have money in the bank here soon? I don't think so. You know, they, what, what, at least 30% inflation rate is what Lindsey Williams was talking about. At least 30, but they're they're kind of shooting for, for 50. That means everything you buy right now is going to be 30% more expensive. Think about that. 
So if you're still working and say you're not, uh, you know, you're not in your retirement, you're not collecting a retirement of some sort, this year when you go in for your review, when you ask your boss for a raise or how that works, you tell him, you know, right off the bat, I'm going to need at least 30% more than what I'm making now. See what they say. They'll laugh at you. Uh-huh. That's what that means. You have to look at it like that because that's what you're going to need if you want to continue on in the society the way you're thinking now, the way the society runs now. If you want to continue on the way you're continue, just maintaining, when you go get your raise this year, you better at least get 30% above what you're already making if you want to be able just to sustain yourself like you are today, whatever level of subsistence that happens to be. Something to think about, isn't it? <laughs> and then we got another earthquake, you know, a couple of days ago. We're having earthquakes all over the place. Gee, where have I heard that before? Earthquakes, diverse places. That's going to intensify. And you know, like I said before, you know, I've I've heard maybe it's harp, maybe it's solar flares, you know. Maybe it is. I mean, I've read everything. I've read what I could on Harp. Yeah, do I think that they can create an earthquake every, anywhere they they want to create an earthquake? Yeah, they can. They can load a fault line up with enough energy to make it break loose eventually, in short order. They can change the weather, doing the same type of thing. Most of them, you can't even bring these subjects up with most people. You know, they're not even there yet. It's hard for them to grasp. For most people, it's hard for them to grasp that there is a ruling elite of individuals in this world, very small little families, probably, you know, a handful. They're actually running things. They can't even grasp that thought. And you tell them that they want to reduce the Earth's population, they can't grasp that thought. You know, I don't know. Sometimes we all get that way. Sometimes we just get, I personally get frustrated. I do. But that doesn't mean you quit. That doesn't mean you stop talking to people. There's plenty of opportunity to talk to people about things like this. You'll find them every, you normally do in a course of, of a week. But I tell you, a lot, of, a lot of people don't even want to leave their house anymore. And you know what? I don't necessarily blame them. I really don't, especially people to find out what we know. Let me give you the call-in number in case you have forgotten. The call-in number is area code 347-324-3704. Again, that's 347-324-3704. How are you feeling today? How are you feeling this week? It's hard to keep it. It really is. Especially when you start, when you know the things that we know, Mr. and Mrs. Patriot, it's very difficult to keep a smile on your face day to day. It is only because God gives you the grace to be able to do it. Can you do it? 
there's a lot of people that that know what you and I know, and I, you know, how do they keep a smile on their face? Well, we have a we have a caller here, nine oh seven area code. They have their hand up, so I'm going to take this phone call. We'll see where it gets us. All right, let's see how this works here. Try again. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Noah. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. Tim <laughs> up in Homer. Yeah, how's the how's the weather treating you? <laughs> well, it finally stopped. <laughs> I uh, I spent all morning. I've been up since four in the morning trying to dig out. Jeez. Oh, I got a pretty big deck, and I cleared off all the snow off of the hot tub and off the deck. I spent about two hours on that. Woke up this morning with four more feet on it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And it, it's really light. It's, it, it's, it was like two degrees out, so the snow is like, you know, powder. Okay, well, that's not too oh, bad. At least you can shovel it. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it was blowing all night, so I, I have, like, these six-foot drifts up against my door. So oh. I'm having to get out. To, good thing the door goes in. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. Yeah, I heard you guys are getting slammed again. Yeah. And we're, you know, for some reason we've the last, well, at least yesterday, it hit 62 degrees here yesterday. Just that, it's the weirdest thing, 62 degrees, and today I think it was in the 50s. And, uh, you know, snow's still here, though. I mean, it's not all melted, but, uh, you know, it's 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 creating some, I think, flooding issues in some low-lying areas. Now, it's melting pretty quick, but it's still so much of it that it's it's still here. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, we'll need it for the, for the fish this summer. That's why I was calling, was uh, I got up this morning after I did all my stuff. I was uh, hit Doc's um, channel, uh-huh. and uh, he had um, uh, a site there about Obama outlawing sport fishing. <laughs> and, man, I... I, my partner, we got this place out in Ileana, man, he's been calling me all morning, trying to call Fish and Game, figure out what's going on. Man, I'm pissed. Yeah, yeah, I, am I heard pissed. that too. I mean, we got hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in boats and 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 all the gear out there. I mean, he basically is going to have a piece of property on prime real estate that's going to be worthless. Worthless. Other than, you know, the building and having... It's all paid off, but I mean, we're not. I mean, if they outlaw it, that's it. I mean, other than me just going out to fish, because I'm out in the middle of nowhere, no one is going to be really out there with a chopper trying to stop us from fishing. You <laughs> that's know. right. I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, what I call out in the middle of nowhere, you know. Yeah. But uh, but no one's going to be booking the lodge, you know. That's right. Yep. And uh, anyone that has a um, place out here in Homer, they had, like we had talked, I don't know, was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. they had uh, changed the law and they basically threw out everyone's license. It wasn't running an operation for charters for the last two years. So if you had a charter business for 20 years, it's gone. Just and like uh, 
now that's going to be over with, you know. So it's really going to hit me hard. It is. Oh, man. Of course, I'll always, you know, I'll be able to just throw my line out in the stream and catch a fish. I mean, I'm going to go fishing. I don't care what they say, but. Yep, same here. You know. Yep, same here. But, man, that's just, a steaming just, when I saw that this morning. I was like, you've got kidding me and you know I, they're 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 crack, they're getting it all they're trying to they're that's it man you know they're they're coming after anybody any, any if you think you're going to make a dime somewhere forget it yeah if they th- if they think they can outlaw outlaw a whole section of society that's into doing i mean think about it why would they even think about that right now i would even you know, what, what would make them think of doing that i mean they don't care it, they just thought about it a group of people sat around and said you know what uh, let's just keep them from fishing. Well, we'll make sure they they go broke. That we we don't want to make any money. Let's just uh, let's do them in. Yeah, sixty yeah. percent of the business in Alaska is tourism. Yeah. You know, and they don't come up here to look at mountains. They're up here to go fishing. That's right. You know, that's what they do. That and a little bit of gold panning if they you know if it, if it hits them, but you know. <clears throat> Pretty soon, I, I didn't see honey, but I'm sure that's next. Yeah. That's you know. Next. It's anything they can do, you know, anything they can do. They're going to crack it, and it's coming hard and fast. That's just sick. I know I heard that, too. I just got sick. You know. It's just not the country that uh, that it once was. Not even close. Not even close, and it's faster and faster every day. Yep. Every day. No. Like my dad used to say, everything's gone hell in the handbasket. You better believe it. You better believe it. You know, it almost, what are you going to find out when you wake up tomorrow? You know? Yeah. It's like, okay, let's think, let's think what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, what are they going to outlaw tomorrow? I don't know. I definitely keep my, my I, I try to pull as much cash reserve out of the bank every day. Yeah. As soon as yep. as soon as checks come in, I cash them and get rid of it. You know, that's right. Yep. Buy whatever food or ammo I can. I keep probably a hundred bucks in the bank. There you go. And that's, that's it. Do it. Yep. You know, just so I don't overdraft a check. You know. Yep. Turn it into uh, you know, turn that paper fiat into something useful. Exactly. No matter what it is, I mean, even just hand tools. Even just buy hand tools or go to yard sales and buy a bunch of hand tools or. You know, believe me, they're going to be needed because nobody's making them over. You're not going to find them once the complete collapse happens. So you're not going to find anything. Yeah. You know. So. Oh yeah. I mean, and I mean, gold and silver will only be worth worth anything for a short time. That's right. Yep. And then, I mean, you might as well just toss it in the street because you ain't going to be able to get anything with it because they're just going to outlaw gold and silver. <laughs> yep. That's what they'll do. Oh, every day, something else. Yeah. Well, you hang in there. I will. I mean, you're in a you're in a pretty good state, man. I mean, at least, uh, you know, they really have to think about it. They have to pack a lunch if they really want to think about coming after your state or coming after the folks in your state. They may try it, but, you know, there's just something about cold that really slows somebody down, no matter how old they are or young. They'll, they'll get the, I mean, like the Anchorage Bowl is 
300,000, and they'll hit Fairbanks. Those are the two biggest FEMA camps in the state. Yeah. I think, I think uh, Fort Rich has can hold like a million people, and Fairbanks, Fort Wainwright, it holds close to the same amount. Yeah. And they'll, they'll hit those guys. But every, oh, yeah. everything else is a village or, you know, small town, you know.
And you could say the same about the ranges, too. There was three or four different rifle range, rifle ranges. There's only one now. And now it's so strict, and that's the one you saw me shooting at here not too long ago. It used to be free. Now, you see, I was, I've was i always shot at that particular rifle range. If you watch my YouTube videos and you see me at a rifle range, that rifle range I was at when I was, oh, 12 years old, maybe even younger than that, my father took me there. And uh didn't cost anything. And when I went for my hunter safety course when I was younger, and I, you know, you know, in this county anyway, you had to show that you knew how to shoot before they issued you anything. You had to prove that you could hit a target. And you had proper marksmanship skills and safety skills when handling a rifle. Well, that's the rifle range I went to qualify on as a young adult to get my hunter safety card in this state. So I've been going there ever since I was a kid. You know, Is that the only one? No. I mean, my parents have enough property that we didn't need to go to a rifle range, but we did anyway. It was a camaraderie. You got to meet other gun owners, other shooters. You learn different things. You get to talk to one another, find out what's going on. But anyway, now, you know, it's you have to pay a daily um, fee just to get in there or, or buy a yearly pass to be able to use it. And now you have the, I know they mean well, but you have the, what I like to call them, the Gestapo rifle range guys uh, that are looking over your shoulder making sure that you're, you know, there's so many rules now. You go to a lot of these rifle ranges. No more than, uh, you can't fire any more than one round a second. You know, I just, that's just one off the hand. Because that's this last weekend I got the nails for that one. I went a little overboard with a little semi-automatic 22 I had. You know, I did some double taps at various ranges, and oh no no, one one shot a second. You know, that's how strict they've gotten. And you've you've all seen it. I mean, I had one guy down there. He was talking to me. He said he came from a range in Baltimore, around Baltimore. It's even worse. He just he can't even go to that one anymore. It's like they're hovering over you. Can't they won't even let you shoot. And they hire people for that. You know, don't think that they don't. They they specifically put people out there to discourage you, to constantly harass you, to where you don't even want to go back. But nonetheless, if you have uh, access to a firing range or you have some property where you can shoot, I encourage you to get some trigger time. Please get some trigger time. That is very, very important. I know ammunition is expensive, guys. I know it is, but that doesn't mean you have to shoot the expensive stuff all the time. You know, you can you know, shoot off a bunch of twenty twos. You can still find that. Some of you can. Most of us can, bulk twenty two. I'm not saying it's gonna fire every time. But you can buy 550 rounds of 22 long rifle for probably $15, you know. And 550 rounds will keep you busy most of the day. It depends on who you are, I guess. But that'll hone your marksmanship skills. And if you don't have money for that, you know, you have a, a Red Rider BB gun or a, a, a Crossman, my favorite, the Crossman uh, Pumpmaster BB gun, you know, 177 caliber. Set up a nice little range in your basement or in your backyard. Some, uh, you know, phone books as backstops or what have you. And keep practicing and keep practicing and keep practicing. You know, it's a good stress reliever, I can tell you that. But you'll get some trigger time. You, you're going to need it. 
You know, and that doesn't mean that you have to go out and buy if you're going to shoot larger caliber, if you're going to if you're going to practice with larger caliber weapons that you 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 don't have access to ammunition that's uh, surplus that isn't you know top of the line necessarily. And that's why I sort of stick with a lot of um, I like European calibers or more common 30 odd sixes. That's not European caliber, 30 odd six. You know. Uh, 8mm Mauser, 7mm Mauser, um, you know, 7.62 by 39 or by 54 rimmed, you know, that, that sort of ammunition. Like I was shooting, uh, you know, over this past weekend, I was shooting some 7.62 by 54 rimmed cartridges. You know, it's a European Mosin-Nagant cartridge. Now I got some. I got a good deal um, at a local firearm shop that's out of my state. I actually have to go out of my state now to visit to go to a, a firearm dealer that I really like. That's how sad it is, but nonetheless, I found some a good deal on some Bulgarian surplus ammo. Now it did smoke a little bit when you shot it. That's okay. I want trigger time. For ten rounds, it was two dollars and fifty cents. For ten rounds, a thirty caliber round. So, did it have? Some, was it corrosively primed? Yeah, it had some corrosive priming to it. But if you treat your your barrel after you shoot that kind of stuff correctly, scrub it out correctly, and clean everything correctly, it won't just shouldn't be an issue. You let the residue sit in your barrel; it's going to become an issue. And not clean your rifle, you're going to have an issue. But you just get some trigger time, guys. You're going to need it. All right. You're going to need it. Okay, I think we're sort of uh, probably will need to take a, a, a commercial break here or a revenue-generating break. There's so many different ways to, to say this. So let's go down here and uh, – wait, so many new things on here. Okay, let's take a uh, revenue break here. Be right back. Hey, Freedomizers. Freedomizer Radio and Dehydrate2Store.com have teamed up to give you an Excalibur Dehydrator giveaway. Go to www.Dehydrate2Store.com, that is Dehydrate, the number two, store.com, and fill out the entry. One lucky listener will win an Excalibur Food Dehydrator on April 1st. The winner will be announced live on April 1st on air during the Proof Negative show, which is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. That is West Coast time. That is 9 p.m. to midnight on the East Coast. So sign up today by going to www.dehydrate2store.com. Join me right here at Freedomizer Radio on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays for Hardtail News with NSM Doc 4 to 6 Pacific, 7 to 9 Eastern, and on Fridays, 6 to 9 Pacific, that would be 9 to midnight. Hardtail News with NSM Doc, New World Order ahead. Hang on, it's going to be a rough ride. Freedomizer Radio, the brand new home of the Proof Negative Show. Weekdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, until midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, right here on Freedomizer Radio. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? 
Are you confident your financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience, concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? Subscribe now for a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster. Experience the difference. Subscribe now online at the three W's dot theinternationalforecaster.com. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain tailored investment advice just for you. Don't wait. Get online and subscribe today. The three W's dot theinternationalforecaster.com. Introducing the new Obama Chocolate Bar. You'll enjoy the decadent flavor of this new Harp Engineered Chocolate with enlightening ingredients such as sedation, hypnotics, estrogen, and clusters of luciferin-coated almonds. Once you've experienced it, you'll never eat other chocolate again. In case studies, side effects have occurred which include obesity, mental disorders, sleep deprivation, unusual happiness and compliancy, and low brain activity. If you experience these side effects, consult the liberals right away. Warning, do not seek advice from truthers. Endorsed by Luciferian Productions in association with the New World Order. There's nothing like Obama chocolate in selected retail stores near you. Okay, welcome back, my fellow patriots. Welcome to this live edition of the Bunker Report. We have about 13 minutes remaining, so uh, I'm going to take these 13 minutes and talk to you about talk to you about you know I was riding down the road today and uh and I saw and you you've probably seen it in your in your neck of the woods, I'm sure you have. And you see it more and more every day if you do a lot of if you're driving on the road a lot like I do. More and more for sale signs. I mean, it's just a vain attempt, I guess, people to try to sell their homes before they end up being foreclosed on. And, you know, what's really hard for me, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not going to come on here and say I'm some tough guy or whatever. I don't sit here and and come off that way. I don't think I try to come off that way. Can I hold my own? Yeah. But you know what's really difficult for a so-called tough guy to see, I don't care who you are. If you go buy some of these homes, you know they're being foreclosed on. You see a, a play set out back or a, a swing set, you know, or slide, so you know they have young kids. You know, you sit there and you wonder, and it just it pains you because you, you think, well, where are those? What's going to happen to those kids? You know. But through this whole thing, if there's one thing I, I want to try to stress to everybody. It gets stressful. It really does. As the New World Order starts ratcheting things closer, tighter and tighter around you, you know, you hang hang on to your family, okay? I know we all get, get upset, and we just, I mean, who knows? You go to work, you think you have a job when you get up in the morning one morning, and then tomorrow morning you might not have one. 
Maybe you go to work and your plant no longer exists or closed down. Because you know that's what they do. In most cases, they're not going to give you a week and say, you know, we're going to be closing down in two weeks so uh, or three weeks. No, 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 no. They'll never tell you that. Now, what will happen is, and what has been the norm, is that you show up at your employ- employer and the door is locked. There's a chain across the gates. No warning. Just everybody's gone. That's usually what happens, you know, because they want to get, they want you to give them two weeks' notice before you decide to leave and move on to another place of employment or, or to better your career or whatever the case may be. But they're not going to give you two weeks' notice before they lock the doors on you. So you come home after a day like that, and you know, you're upset. And, you know, I just want everybody just to relax and calm down, okay? Because if you, especially if you have kids in your house, you know, your kids can pick up on those things. Your kids can very easily pick up on your emotional state, you know. So for their sake, remain level-headed. Kids are very resilient, you know. They really are. But what pains them more than anything is to see mommy and daddy upset mad all the time. That's what really hurt. You know, it could be an adventure for them to have them move to a new house or to a new place, you know. That, that That's just, hey, we're going on an adventure. Neat, you know. It doesn't phase them like it phases you necessarily, but the one thing that will phase them is your emotional attitude towards them. So step back, you know, and take some time with your kids. We talk about a lot of serious things on this station. We all we all talk about a lot of serious things in our own personal lives, you know. And these are these are worrisome times that we're going through, guys. They really they really are. And it's not going to get any better. I got news for you. It's going to get a lot worse than it is now. Remember, the ultimate goal here is order, and before they have order, the satanic order that they want, they got to have chaos. So that's the goal they're trying to head us for, is some sort of chaos, a controlled chaos, but a chaos nonetheless. And we've sat here and we've told you all the different avenues. Every day they come up with a new avenue they're going down, a new street they want to go down, you know, making it illegal so nobody can fish. I mean, just think about the ridiculousness of that, guys. They don't want you to fish. They don't want you to do anything that, A, could provide for your family, whether monetarily or just sustenance-wise, or, B, anything that takes control out of their hands. And that's another thing. You know, I have about have eight minutes remaining, but I want you to look at – I want you to think about something else here. And I think I – I think somebody else um, well, in the last couple of days have – has said something very similar to this or, or is on the same page, because I was thinking this. I'm like, I wonder if I'm the only one that's thinking this way. But let me let me tell you something. Now, we've all heard about the Toyotas, what's going on with Toyota. Okay, let's think about Toyota for a minute. Most of Toyota's vehicles are made, a good portion of them are made in this country. That's a lot of Americans that are still working at Toyota. You know, through all this crazy car mess that's been going on now, you know, GM, government owns them, and the socialist in chief is the CEO. Chrysler's no better. They've been 
ripped apart. Europeans now have all sorts of patents. Fiat's now got all sorts of patents to uh, old four-wheel drive systems. Mark Mark Hornkey, that's what it was. Mark Hornkey was touching on this. He mentioned that today or yesterday about how Chrysler has held you know, all sorts of patents on the four-wheel drives, the trains, of Jeeps, and other things that we used to help win a lot of wars and went into a lot of different vehicles, not just Jeeps, a real hardcore four-wheel drive systems, not the stuff you find on a lot of cars nowadays. But Chrysler held a lot of those patents. Well, guess what? Now we don't have access to those anymore. They're all one overseas. You know, so what's left? We got Toyota left. Now, granted, you know, all the profit, the end result, the end profit for that vehicle goes back to Japan, but you have a lot of people that are working at Toyota, a lot of people that get paid, a lot of people that put cars together to engineer things. Yeah, I mean, we could sit here for hours and go around the supply chain and how it all works, but they spend money in this country. Now, do you honestly think that the New World Order wants that to continue for that particular organization? No, they do not. See, and they come on television and they tell you, it's you know, the government is for your safety. You've got to st- if you think for one minute that the government is concerned about your safety, then you have not been paying attention. We all like to fall into that little trap that the government, oh, you know, they're all concerned for our safety and they're they, they're concerned about our well-being, and you know that's a lie, guys. And you have to step back and catch yourself when you start thinking that way, because we all fall into that trap. Even some hardcore patriots, we still fall into that trap. You know, but if Toyota cars were out there killing thousands and thousands and thousands of people, they wouldn't say anything. They'd let it keep going. Because after all, that's all part of um, population reduction. But I'll tell you one thing Toyota has been doing. That's been keeping Americans employed, and they've been financially sound. We can't have that. Not when they want to destabilize the entire economy. So why don't you look at the Toyota thing just a little bit differently? I'm not saying Toyota doesn't have problems. But if you remember correctly, back Volkswagen had problems. What was the Ford had problems. Everybody's had problems. Ford used to have a problem with their um, cruise control. It used to I, I was five minutes remaining. Boy, this might take a little bit. You know, I remember I was uh, working at a service station, and some lady came in there. This was when I was younger. And some lady came in there with her um, with her uh, Ford, um, I think it was a Crown Victoria at the time, and she had come just off the highway. And she coasted in, but the engine was just revving like nobody's business. And she says, you know, she had it in, um, in neutral. And she said, you know, I had it on cruise control, and it just, it, I hit the brakes and the engine wouldn't stop. So I put it in neutral and I just coasted it down this ramp into your service station. And she said, "This one of these Ford cruise controls." And I said, "Yeah." And I, you know, I never would have believed it unless I saw it for myself. But Ford had a problem with those cruise controls, but you didn't see the government go after, you, didn't bring them to trial about it, and they had a lot of problems for many years about it. You didn't see the government bring them to task on it, now did you? No. Nope. Volkswagen, when they were importing their importing their cars for the first time, they had problems. They had all sorts of accelerator problems. Sure did. You know, but did you see the government bring them to task on it? Nope, it didn't. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to defend Toyota. Don't get me wrong; it's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that you know, it seems awful strange to me that 
they're spending a lot of time for our safety really trying to nail Toyota. I'll tell you what they're spending a lot of time doing. They're spending a lot of time trying to dissolve that vestige of America. So those people that work at those plants don't have a job anymore. Because everybody in a socialist society, everybody's got to be dirt poor and living in socialist housing communities, condo-type units, little apartments. You know, you, you work for Stalin, and you get yourself your little apartment, you know. You go to work down at the, the factory or whatever it is. You get paid hardly anything, and you go back to your little two-bedroom apartment. And they expect you to rat your neighbors out. They expect you to sit there and make reports on your neighbors when you hear anything unusual. Maybe they talked bad about the party, you know, and they expect you to go down to your local um, partisan office or whatever it might be, your little Stasi office, and report your neighbor for talking bad against uh, the Communist Party. And maybe next week uh, some guys, some goons show up and drag him out of his apartment, and now the apartment's vacant and some new, you, you now have new neighbors, you see, for your safety. You see where this is going? You see how socialism works? Fascism works very the same way. We're using we're using the communism as a, as a very recent example. So you see that method of thinking and what's going on with our present economy? I do. Hey, look, I'm sort of out of time. Um, I'm sorry the show didn't kick off today as it, uh, as it normally did. I apologize for that. I appreciate everyone's uh, patience. And uh, you know, thanks for tuning in and bearing with me during during this time. I am suffering a little bit of an ailment. So let me give you the call and number. Doc's show is going to start here in a little bit, and I'll start the music off uh, his his music his, his he likes here. But let me give you the call and number, so jot it down. It'll be the same for his show, too. It's the area code 347-324-3704. Again, that number is 347-324-3704. Hey, remember the first thing that you've got to do is no matter what, I try to say this at every show, get right with Jesus. You know, if I don't care how bad you think you've been, how bad, how you don't think you're worthy of God's forgiveness, you're wrong. God loves you. God loves you a lot. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. So you won't have to suffer the, the eternal damnation that, the, that these Satanists are, and the devil and his minions are going to go into. Okay? He loves you. You know, you don't need a priest, you don't need a, a preacher, you don't need anybody. You just get down and you ask Jesus to forgive you. You ask God to forgive you in Jesus' name. Forgive you of all the sins you've done, and you'll be clean. That'll be a good feeling. Allow him into your heart, he'll change your life. I'm telling you. Okay, thank you for tuning in. Again, this was the Bunker Report, live edition. I'll get back to you here soon. All right? See you later.
All right, and welcome to Freedomizer Radio. This is Hardtail News with NSM Doc, and uh, we got a huge show tonight. Uh, first, I want to say thank you to everybody that's wishing uh, me and my wife a happy anniversary in the room. Yes, today is our anniversary. Um, but we'll be celebrating tomorrow because, uh, well, I had to work today. So <laughs> so I want to thank all you guys for joining me. And, uh, well, we, we, we've got a huge guest again here uh, tonight. And, of course, he was here with us before. In fact, uh, his show with us here last time was actually our biggest show that we've had yet. So tonight, joining us again will be Chris White uh, from the Zeitgeist Challenge and also the 2012deception.net and Nowhere to Run 1984. Um, I've been trying to get him on air here for a second, but the software is not cooperating with me right now. We'll see if it'll work here. Hello, Chris. If you can hear me, you're live with Doc on Hardtail News. How you doing, man? Hey, Doc. What's up? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I hear you good. I don't know. It wasn't cooperating there for a minute, but it, it finally uh, stopped okay. spinning and got well, me on maybe air. Maybe I had the, had the microphone muted. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, well, man, happy anniversary. All right. That's really, really cool. How long have you guys been married? Hey, four years. Four very happy years, man. Happiest years of my life. I got to tell you, I married a good Christian woman. And, well, I guess uh, people have no idea what marriage can be like until uh, you're actually married under God and married to someone who believes in God like you do. Um, so it's just been it's just been wonderful. I just I, I can't say how great it's been. <laughs> wow, that's great. I'm actually I'm actually getting married uh, later on uh, August August of this year. So uh, I've been with uh, with her for you know a long time, but finally getting married, and so that's just been a really big uh, uh, thing for me. Just like really learning about marriage, you know, Christian marriage and stuff like that. It's just been like very exciting. I'm really excited about it. Well, congratulations to you too. And I, I can only tell you this that that. It, She's going to end up being, if God picked her for you, she's perfect for you, and she'll end up being your best friend, and just everything you ever thought you would have, it's going to be better. So that's how it yeah. is with us. <laughs> yeah. It's so tonight, 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 we, we've got a huge topic. Oh, wait a minute. I have someone in queue. I think I know who it is real quick. I think she wants to say hi to you real quick. So let me bring her on real quick All before right. we jump into tonight's topic. Okay, if, you're, if you can hear me, you're live. Me? <laughs> yeah, that would be you. <laughs> I just want to say hi to Chris and say hi, happy anniversary to you. Well, thank you, honey. Thank you very much. And I know you enjoyed the, the show last time. She really wanted to say hi to you, Chris. <laughs> All right. Not only that, hey, i got to refresh because I can't hear the show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, but I love you. you. Yeah, I love you too, honey. Thank you for calling in. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> she, she told me she was going to call in for my anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight's show is going to be the 2012 Deception, and uh, this this also is another of my favorite topics. Um, I know we covered the zeitgeist, uh, the, the, the zeitgeist thing, I like to call it, last time, last time we were on, and some of that kind of plays into tonight, uh, but... For the audience, let's let's just first off kind of give a, a description. What is what is this this event in 2012, or, or what is the significance of 2012? Well, um, I guess really to best explain it, I'll just kind of give a thumbnail as best as I can. Is it it's a it's a theory that's been around for quite a while. I mean, uh, more or less for about 10 years. There was there was sort of a feeling of this that. Uh, 
it was supposed to happen, happen like May 5th, 2000. Um, but, but the main thing is um, that it's an idea. The one true thing about 2012 is that it does appear that the Mayan calendar will end on that date. There's some ambiguity. Some people think it's like, you know, one or two days afterwards. But let's just say for the sake of argument that it's, um, um, you know, December 21st, 2012. The issue there, that's the, the last true thing about the 2012 phenomena. The rest is a lot of people putting significance to that event, saying that the Mayans believed that it was going to be a galactic alignment or they were trying to point to solar, solar flares, and there's all kinds of different things. We can go on and on and on with the different things people believe about, about that. Uh, for instance, you know, Planet X, uh, Nibiru, there, there is a host of different things that people really believe that there's good scientific that is, they believe that there's scientific evidence for these things to happen, and they have. There's a lot of people presenting these, you know, you know, presentations with charts and everything that looks, and you know, they're they're blinding people with what appears to be science. Um, so, kind the, of similar to Zeitgeist, right? Kind of similar to the same thing they do. Very in similar because yeah. because it's very, you know, the best way to get somebody to believe something is to make them think that it's if you, that it's the smarter road you know if you believe this you're smarter than all the dum-dums you know it's really it's really easy to buy something where you get to be like king of the smart people so uh so that that's kind of where it basically is so i and now i am coming from a place where i totally believe in the 2012 when i first woke up if you will it was about 1999 or so and i had i, I don't know if you could even waking up because i didn't really when I look back on it, I didn't all the stuff that I believed was wrong. But 2012 was one of the first things that I ever found out about. It was actually through David Wilcox's site at the time. It was called Ascension 2000 um, because it was supposed to happen in, in 2000 or whatever. But it was basically this general idea that there was going to be a great consciousness shift. And this is really what the, I believe the main the main thing about 2012 is, is talking about this uh, spiritual evolution, or that we're all going to change significantly uh, in 2012. So. That's where I'm coming from. Is I used to believe it wholeheartedly, uh, and and so anyway, the interesting well, thing about the Mayan account- David Wilcox. Yeah. Let me let me let me tell the audience a little bit about him. Um, I, I've actually spoken with the guy once or twice too, uh, way back when when I first started waking up too, um, and. He, he thinks he's the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. although I found that out from you. I didn't actually know that until uh, a couple days ago. But I, I did know that he was a channeler as well, and he, got a lot, he claims to have gotten a lot of his information from the same type of, of channeling that, that uh, uh, Benjamin Krim and, and, and uh, Helena Blavatsky and the rest of those guys believed in. Um, that's, that, that's correct. That's where he got most of these theories from was, was from channeling, correct? Right. And there's, uh, there's some, he will say uh, on his early part of his website, uh, that was pretty clear. He, he later would say things like, uh, well, this is not just from channeling. It's also because of hard scientific data and these kinds of ideas. Uh, um, but, but the thing is, uh, they, were, they were from the channeling. I mean, it was clear on his website and things like that. And it's the exact same thing that you see with everybody else that does the channeling. There is a very consistent notion about 2012 from those people that claim to speak with uh, spirits. Now, uh, as the point that I tried to make about that is that um, the spirits tell the people that they are different things. In the case of David Wilcock, they've told them that, that they are an ancient Egyptian god, in this case, Ra and sometimes Seth. I don't know what his viewpoint about that, but I do know that other people being told about 2012 uh, are being told by beings that they're claiming to be Pleiadians, or sometimes it's greys. Sometimes it's, it's just uh, you know deceased people 
or any variation of things. It seems to be really about what the person is willing to believe. That's what these entities will claim to be. Uh, so my point is, is that these entities are liars. I mean, there's not really a one, you know, either that or like, uh, you know, ancient Egyptian gods and dead people and, you know, and aliens from, you can see there's, I don't know, you, you know what I'm saying, that they're, they're claiming to be something that they're not, but they all have the same, uh, the same thing, which is really weird if you think about it. Everybody, and they're very serious about getting people to believe this, so you can find so much stuff about this on the Internet, and uh, there's a presentation out there called the 2012 Deception Presentation uh, that I did, which is tries to go through some of the stuff online where, um, you know, people are talking about what the, these spirits were making them start websites, making them start blogs to tell people that 2012, it's not about doomsday, it's really about this great enlightenment that's coming. Uh, so anyway, that, that's kind of that's kind of a, a very brief thumbnail. I do want to hit really quickly on the issue of the Mayan calendar. Uh, certainly, the thing certainly. That is let's, true. let's start there. Let, let's start with the Mayan calendar. I, I was just going to add to the last statement that um, I, I think that it's quite funny that the same group that can talk to spirits and things and thinks that everyone should do that can then turn around and laugh at you for believing in Jesus. Um, I, but we we can talk about that quite a bit later because I have a I have a segment at the end that that I kind of want to compare the two. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, uh, I'd be interested in that. The um, the Mayan calendar. The main thing I just wanted to say about it is that it is true that the Mayan calendar ends then. Um, the reason that it ends then is is important to to understand what the what the reason they were putting the calendar so far in advance is that the way that they were dating things, uh, the Mayans were dating, and it wasn't a specifically, it wasn't a particularly rather good calendar. It left a lot um, to be desired as far as, you know, it wasn't taking into account for different things like seasons. The priests would have to be the ones that would adjust it for, you know, crops and stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't that good of a calendar, but one of the other um, kind of things that made it problematic is that every day had its own um, day on the calendar. I mean, it wasn't like this day will then appear later on, like March 3rd uh, of 2000 and March 3rd of 2002. It would just be March 3rd of 2000. And then, you know, it, anyway, to, to basically have a history lesson or to point to either something in the far distant past, like they would say, hey, you know, Dad, when was uh, your great-grandfather born? They actually had to create a, another type of calendar in order to point to the time or date that the great grandfather was born, because it was, or let's say great great grandfather. And similarly, if they wanted to point to something like in, or if they wanted to say, you know, have a history lesson about when was the Mayan civilization, you know, created. It's like, well, that's a good question, young boy. That it was actually created in such and such, and they had, excuse me, they had a entire calendar to be able to do that. Similarly, to be able to point to, to events in the future, it required. It was a necessary thing to create a calendar uh, in, of dates in the future that could be pointed to for different things. Uh, and so it was also necessary because of that to have it end at some point because otherwise you would have to continually create um, dates uh, forever. Um, the idea that, that uh, many people have, very few people will point to a, a reason why the Mayans actually believed something was going to happen at the end of that date. Um, the, there are only a handful of people that actually even attempt it, one of which is John Major Jenkins, who uh, the methods in which he does it are, um, I mean, I don't even understand how people can give it the time of day. Uh, it really does re uh, focus. One of the centerpieces of his theory is that 
is that they were trying to tell us that this had significance, even though it wasn't written about in any of the in any of their documents. It was expressed in things like the they had a football game, and this one particular football court, I think Chichen Itza, which I'm actually going to be visiting later on this uh, this year, is awesome. um, it is so where I was going. It was so close to Chichen Itza, and I was like, oh well, anyway. But anyway, so. Um, that he said this this ball court was aligned in such a way that it was pointing to something that would eventually happen in 2012 and all these sorts of ideas. Uh, another of which is, um, uh, and these are these are like the centerpieces for for the theory that the Mayans were actually trying to point to some uh, event, rebirth in this case, and and, and Major John Major Jenkins's case um, is also similarly. He takes a picture that uh, that is um, of these two. I can't remember what it, what the significance of the story was, but they were two you know young uh, people that were attacking some bird or something like that, and he, he basically gives it um, meaning that they didn't have meaning. The, the Mayans didn't say anything about this, but he was just saying, well, you can see by the you know the way that this is put up, and it's clearly talking about the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, it's just like really. I mean, that's the that's hero everything twins. that you have. The hero twin story. The the hero twins. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the the mindset. Now I I wish I had more details in front of me. I the um, the website. Well, I actually I actually have a couple things here. I have a couple things here um, about the ball game. Um, he, he claimed that that the the sun lines up exactly with the ball court. Uh, I believe it's on winter solstice, but it might be summer solstice. And that that clearly isn't true, but but he he he, sor- he sources that in his material, and uh, uh, there's a couple other things too. Oh, it's uh, it's about an optical illusion, I think, that happens once a year, and that doesn't line up with the ball court either. But but he said uh, he claims that it does, and that the ball game represents. Uh, the new god standing over over the dying god of the of the last of the last year, I believe, is is how he how he put it in there. I, I had a hard time understanding it too. I actually went to your source material and looked, and it's as confusing to me as it is as it is to you. <laughs> right, and you know, even if it was like totally understood, it, it would be understood in the sense that this is very very flimsy. Um, he, yeah, if you think of it in the broad context of what what's being attempted here. You, you, which is the attempt is to make apply massive significance to the idea that the calendar ends in 2012 and say that the Mayans were saying that this was talking about a major spiritual evolution. And in, in the absence of any mention of anything about a spiritual evolution or anything even close to it, it's fabricated using a, these sorts of things about the location of the ball court in relation to a nearby forest. It, it's, this is like the go-to guy in 2012. Like for people that like they want the hard science, they go to John Major Jenkins. It's like really, and then and then you look at how many how much time and effort people spend on the other things about the galactic alignment and things like that. And to I believe have total egg on their face uh, in that regard to even claim that the galactic alignments and and things like that have any or could even possibly have any physical significance on us on Earth uh, according to what precession actually is. I, I happen to agree with you on that too, and and let's uh, well let's talk about procession real quick for a second because uh, one of the things that most of the folks that believe in the 2012 theories believe that the Mayans were the the first ones to discover procession the procession and that they uh, 
they had the most accurate calendars and they were first, but that's not exactly true, is it? No, it was discovered uh, about a hundred years or so before the Mayans. Um, precession is just the wobble of the Earth on its axis. Uh, it's it's a motion kind of like a um, a top that you would spin uh, or sort of a gyroscope. Uh, it's 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 caused it's basically on a 26,000 year wobble. It's a localized that is it's just the Earth doing a motion, uh, which causes the stars on the horizon from our perspective to change. So over the course of this 26,000 year cycle from the Earth, our perspective of what stars we can see are changing. Uh, but that that has to do with the tilt of the Earth in regards to the cycle. So nat naturally when people would say that um, we're, get, we're aligning to the galactic center because of this 26,000 year cycle, you know that they are a quack or are they just, they're just listening to somebody else, excuse me, that's told them that because if all that's happening is the stars are changing on the horizon, our perspective of the stars are changing because of this wobble of the earth from the moon, it wouldn't look any different. I mean, from some Saturn, they'd be like, what are you talking about alignment? You, you just tilted your earth different. I mean, if you look at this on the broad stage, you're exactly the same place where, you know, you're spinning around. The, you're, it's totally dependent on the sun's location as far as if you're going to be physically lined up with the galactic center. Uh, so, I like how so you that's crazy. It, I like how you called it the quack test. <laughs> yeah. uh, that gave me a chuckle when you said that. That's the quack test right there. If they say 26,000-year cycle, you know you're dealing with a quack. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> especially, especially if they say anything is going to happen. And, and at this point, everybody varies because it's such a weird sort of phenomena, this, this idea of 2012, that people will throw anything on that 26,000-year cycle. Oh, we're going to enter into a photon belt. Oh, there's going to be a solar flare. Oh, Nibiru is going to come back. Oh, we're going to – it doesn't matter. I mean, there is – there are, you know, a million things out there. But the, the fact that people say that something, anything, anything physical at all is going to happen in regards to this 26,000-year cycle, it's necessary for you to realize that, that, that that's impossible. Are you, are you still there? Yeah, oh, sorry, I just, like, had a, uh, like, I'm hearing some uh, totally uh, advertisement here. I don't know where I'm getting that from. Oh, wow. Oh, I see. Yeah, me either. Okay. Uh, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, we get, I, I know we had Ralph Epperson on uh, Monday, and he kept hearing what sounded to him like an operator kept coming on in the background during during our call with him, too. And I, as much, I, I, I don't I don't agree all the time with Alex Jones, but he did come on today and put a video out talking about uh, how I guess all of the different sites are being hacked, including Infowars was shut down for four hours, and a lot of people here get runtime errors and all kinds of strange things happen. Whenever we have a guest on that has really good information, so uh, I just work well, through it. Well, you know it. what? My my both my websites are down right now. I was hacked last night. 2012 Deception is down. Uh, uh, my radio show is down. They hacked from a back door of my site, and you know, out of the whatever, how many sites I got out, which is a lot, they just took down those two sites. And so it was, it was, it was a exploitation through something that I mean, somebody had to know what they were doing just to pinpoint those two sites. But yeah, I, I don't. If you go to 2012deception.net right now, you won't find anything. 
Yeah, I know. I went there earlier. I was going to drop the link in the chat room for our show, the whole, you know, every now and again, so people could go find you. And that's what it said that it was unavailable. And I was like, hmm. But the Zeitgeist Challenge is still up, so I'm going to be dropping that one in here from time to time. And and uh, and your YouTube your YouTube page as well, so people know where to go over and check you out at. Aside from catching you at ChatterTheDarkness.net on the radio. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah, that's well, that's Russ's site. He's he's got all that. I, I don't, I don't. Shadow of the Darkness is totally, totally Russ Dizdar's thing, but I totally am a big supporter of him now. Oh, I always catch your radio show over there. Uh, it's in the side right there. That's where that's how I listen to you. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. He's probably got he's probably got the uh, the widget there in his page. That's probably where, oh, that's okay, probably okay. yeah. That's where I've always that's where I've always listened to your show at. Is over there <laughs> when I go over and listen to his, and I watch yours. So, um, let's cool. let's. Let, let's talk a little bit. I know I interrupted you. Well, actually, that little interrupt, interruption did, but but that's okay. Let, let's move to the different because there's several different camps uh, in the in this 2012, and I'd like to go through each one and, and break them all down because uh, well, that's that's pretty important here because a lot of people will say, okay, but what about this this piece or what about that piece? So let's let's start with the uh, the galactic alignment. Uh, astronomical, the, that that particular piece of it, and then we'll move into the other ones from there. Sure, I think the astronomical is the most important part of uh, the galactic alignment theory, um, and that is the one that David Wilcock um, would say is is the truth. And it's totally different than the one we just mentioned, the twenty six thousand year precession cycle. Although you oftentimes people people refer to the one that I'm about to mention and put the 26,000 number arbitrarily in there, which is, you know, totally wrong because this cycle takes about, on average, I mean, 250 million years to complete. It's sometimes called the galactic year. It's uh, the sun's traveling uh, around the center of the galaxy. Um, That takes about 250 million years to complete. But as it does that, it kind of has its up and down cycle as it's going around the center of the galaxy, it kind of goes up and down. And so what this claim is, is that as it's right in the middle of that up and down cycle, when it's on the plane of the center of the galaxy, that's what they say uh, is you know going to cause all the different things or whatever it may be. Now, that one would be interesting, not because there's any evidence to suggest that something happens when... Uh, that happens, but at least it would be, you know, it would be something. You would say, okay, if that's happening in 2012, maybe, you know, maybe there's something to to think about there. But that cycle actually takes something like, and I, again, I don't have the notes here, but I think it's 33 million years to complete. complete. Yep. Yes, uh, it, yes, it is. And 33 so, million. And, and and we actually crossed that plane three million years ago, so we're actually not going to cross it again for another 30 million years. So we're further away from that point than when the Mayans made the prediction. Now, what this does is it shows that if this, the stuff, whoever's talking to David Wilcock, Ra, you know, whoever he's talking to is lying to him. And this is what this is all about. That it, that, that's the question that I think everybody should ask is what the heck is going on with these people? And, and somebody just put out a great video um, today that uh, I need to link to. He or it was the other day, two days ago. He basically put together different edits from Jordan Maxwell and David Icke, both of which had the exact same experiences of these um, these entities 
uh, and they both went to psychics, and the, the entities told the psychics in both cases that they were going to be used, that they were both uh, going to be used to do this disseminating of the information that these entities wanted them to, to do. And they were both very dramatic. Both of them were very open that they were malicious entities, that they were very fearful. Jordan Maxwell was very clear that it emanated evil, but yet he, he totally agreed to do its will, to be its uh, mouthpiece. And, uh, I mean... We're talking about this is what the truth movement has become, you know, a mouthpiece for something that is lying about very basic uh, scientific stuff. So back to back to this whole idea is uh, it, it's very important. That's a, that's a really important one to know because you can go to David Wilcock and be like, what you know, what's up with that? And that is something that on the 2012 Deception.net there's a post um, re- that I recently put out to to show the evidence uh, about that. There's four or five different great peer-reviewed articles about that. Uh, that that say that flat out. Um, it's a very detailed scientific read, but it's it's there. Awesome, awesome. I have to cut to a break here real quick. Um, be, we'll be back in about in about three minutes. Pick up right where we left off. Cool. Freedomizer Radio, the brand new home of the Proof Negative Show. Weekdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, until midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, right here on Freedomizer Radio. Introducing the new Obama Chocolate Bar. You'll enjoy the decadent flavor of this new harp-engineered chocolate with enlightening ingredients such as sedation, hypnotics, estrogen, and clusters of luciferian-coated almonds. Once you've experienced it, you'll never eat other chocolate again. In case studies, side effects have occurred, which include obesity, mental disorders, sleep deprivation, unusual happiness and compliancy, and low brain activity. If you experience these side effects, consult the liberals right away. Warning, do not seek advice from truthers. Endorsed by Luciferian Productions in association with the New World Order. There's nothing like Obama chocolate in selected retail stores near you. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident your financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of International Forecaster, When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience, concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? Subscribe now for a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster. Experience the difference. Subscribe now online at the three W's dot theinternationalforecaster.com. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain tailored investment advice just for you. Don't wait. Get online and subscribe today. The three W's dot theinternationalforecaster.com. Hey, Freedomizers. Freedomizer Radio and Dehydrate2Store.com have teamed up to give you an Excalibur Dehydrator giveaway. Go to www.dehydrate2store.com, that is dehydrate, the number two, store.com, and fill out the entry. One lucky listener will win an Excalibur food dehydrator on April 1st. The winner will be announced live on April 1st on air during the Proof Negative show, which is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. 
That is West Coast time. That is 9 p.m. to midnight on the East Coast. So sign up today by going to www.dehydrate2store.com. All right, and we're back. Freedomizer Radio. This is Hardtail News with NSM Doc and my special guest, Chris White, from the Zeitgeist Challenge and the 2012deception.net. And, again, I want to thank you for joining us again, Chris. And we were uh, we were... We were we left off uh, talking about astronomical galactic alignment. Uh, we finished up with, uh, of course, that's not due to occur for another 30 million years, and that, so that would make uh, December 21st, 2012, well, kind of a bit too soon for that. So let's. Uh, I got some questions about uh, cataclysms and evidence of previous cataclysms connected with this galactic astronomical alignment. Is is there any factual evidence to back that up, or is that just window dressing on a on an obvious obvious theory that isn't possible? Sure. Well, they're actually, uh, that, that's kind of the, one of the lines that uh, some of the really hard science was trying to take in trying to figure out what uh, was happening in regards to the astronomical galactic alignment. So if you read uh, some of that some of those scientific papers, you'll find that they were they were hypothesizing the possibility of more uh, cataclysmic type events at the top end of those cycles of galactic alignment, not uh, not uh, you know uh, the midpoint. But in any, in any case, it was like uh, it, it wasn't conclusive by any any means. It was a hypothesis uh, based on based on uh, you know uh, you know just a guess to sort of give them a framework. So. They certainly were saying that they were, there was even less evidence of it anywhere in the middle of the, of the cycle. But as a general rule, um, I think that you can always put, um, as long as you're going to pick the, pick the cataclysms, it's kind of like um, the I Ching or, or the uh, Terrence McKenna's uh, or novelty theory. He basically created a, a mechanism of his own invention. Uh, uh, let's just call it a random um, line graph with different spikes and valleys. He, he created it and then basically got to apply it to history at his own convenience, therefore be, being able to choose any event in history that he wanted to and say there's a match. You know, that was a high point, that's a low point. And just, just basically not choose things, choose other things. As long as you not only control the, the invention of the um, the, the system, and then you get to selectively choose the events in history, you can make literally anything seem like a fit. So to say that we can point at certain cataclysms in history really is, is saying that you get to pick which cataclysms and which, not, which other cataclysms. So I'm not aware of anybody that uses that uh, theory, but I'm sure that people do based on a similar sort of uh, concept. Yeah, I would have to agree with that, too. I did a bunch of checking because, you know... I, I've watched the the history I watch the history channel every now and again. They have some interesting shows on there. And they just had one on. Uh I think it was day before yesterday. I don't know, I recorded it, so I never watch anything when it's really on. Um but this particular one, I guess they found uh one of those Mayan statues on an island 400 miles off of Chile, I believe it was. Uh, and they were talking about the only way it could have gotten there uh, it, because there wasn't much evidence of them being seafaring people was either they walked there or they were seafaring and we didn't know about it. I actually uncovered some evidence that they were always seafaring, but I'm not, for the sake of just sticking to the show, 
they they were trying to point to that they walked to this island 400 miles off the shore and pointed to pointed pointed to some previous uh some previous event that happened and uh, I, I I couldn't I couldn't see it I, I thought it was even the same the same person you referenced but this was a much younger fellow than the, than the per- person you referenced and I, I I looked around at other places to see if there was because certainly if the ocean had receded 400 miles uh, and allowed people to walk from Chile to this island then there had to be evidence of it somewhere else at that right. same time period and of course there there wasn't so the water had to go somewhere. So I, I have to agree with you that there isn't evidence to back it up. The next, the, the next big thing, and it's split up into a bunch of parts. A couple of them I want to cover, cover separately, uh, is pole shifts. Uh, and Planet X is one of the things I, I, I want to do a, a separate section on. So I think briefly we could cover, I guess, the different ideas behind pole shift, and then whether or not it's it's really happening. And then we'll go into the each topics uh, a little bit in depth. All right. Okay, sure. Um, well, there is such a thing as, as both uh, both pole shifts, the Earth's magnetic pole shift, um, which is a a cycle that's pretty well known. It's basically the Earth has a magnetic field, and it's it's more or less less in kind of constant transition. Um, and these shifts basically will happen. We'll have north, the North Pole will be, I mean, not directly, but it'll it'll change positions and be essentially flipped at some point. But um, that takes, um, and I'm again, I wish I had all the information on that. But it takes um, uh, anywhere from it's, let's it's say about years. It's millions of years. I, I know that. I actually noted it here somewhere. As well, and right. I don't see it, but it's it's what, it's it's like forty million years or something like that for it to move. Oh, I right. forget. The, like the long and the short of it is that they are very natural. They are going to happen, but there is no way at all in terms of uh, geologic time that they could happen in any way. Uh, even if and this the thing is, and I covered this a lot in the Greg Braden debunked uh, video that I did. There's a section on there just about pole shifts where he shows the geologic time. Pole shifts are, are essentially kind of random. There's no really way to tell when they're going to um, happen. Uh, but they are, once they start, you can basically tell how long it's going to take to do it. And let's see, if, something, if we started, based on our current position of polarity right now, if we started an absolute free fall, if we started, I mean, if you looked at a line, right, and we looked at it on a line, it was the absolute, the biggest free fall that had ever happened, um, it would still take thousands and hundreds of thousands of years to complete that free fall because it is such a huge thing to, uh, and I, I could be just a little off. I, I go through the exact details in that Greg Braden was fresh around my mind in the Greg Braden debunked video, but that's, that's basically it. Based on our position of height on on that scale as of right now, even if we hit freefall, it would til- still take thousands of years um, to to hit the bottom. So, and there's no evidence that we are in fact uh, doing that. Now, Greg Braden's whole theory is that we're, we're always go- come to this zero point where the magnetic field's at zero, and you know, in combination with some other stuff, that's not true. And then, uh, so, so that's that's where I ended up getting into a lot of detail there. 
I actually remembered. I actually remembered the exact quote. <laughs> My baby's really going off behind me right now. <laughs> um, I, I actually remembered the exact quote. It was a billion years, but to those people, they called it in a blink of an eye. Um, a billion years in geological time is a blink of an eye. I, I think that's where people so, sometimes uh, mix up how quickly a pole shift can happen because they only get fed half the half the answer the blink of the eye part and not the billion year part <laughs> right yeah they definitely said uh, and i think i i think it couldn't have been billion it had to have been million i think but it, uh but i think that they uh that definitely would call it now that the interesting thing about the other kind of pole shift it would be um a a actual physical crustal pole shift and this is kind of what partially is is talked about in the um in the movie 2012 the catalyst for that in the movie version is is solar flares basically taking whole cloth a uh, sort of a graham hancock view of of things but um the the idea of the uh of this is 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 where the crust of the earth actually shifts and there has been a few degree shift in the past um and that is it was it's actually a huge amount of time that takes to complete that it's not a part of any natural cycle or anything so there's no reason to expect it there would be no reason for anybody to expect it because it would be for all intents and purposes totally random it is so again we're talking in terms of geological time it's absolutely uh unbelievably slow and in addition it wouldn't be something that uh could be caused by i mean it would take so much energy to shift the 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 um the crust of the earth uh and if you're going to say that the oh well we're talking about a lot of energy with galactic climate when then you have to get right back to the same thing it's like which kind of galactic climate are you talking about the 26,000 year cycle because that's not actually going to affect the earth at all it's just changing the position of the stars in the horizon so you must be talking about the other kind of galactic climate that's going to be the cause for this a lot of this energy and that's not true because that we ha- that happened 3 million years ago and it's not going to happen for another 30 million years so Either way you look at it, when people say, oh, yes, pole shifts are coming, it doesn't matter if it needs a lot of energy, it doesn't matter whatever, it's going to be caused by this. and Or if it's not that, it's something else. And so that's why it's important to just go down the line and debunk them all and not like a little bit debunked. I mean, they're either – they're not possible. So one by one you come to the conclusion that this is all just total, totally untrue. I have to agree with you on that too. And, you know – the thing that makes it that made it so hard for me to have to accept that the all the different 2012 theories were were way way out of line even uh, was 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 the fact that it, it it tidied everything up so nicely at least parts of this theory really kind of tidies up history real good it, it kind of allows folks that are used to a finite universe to grab all the little pieces of history that are a mystery put them in a nice little box and say, yep, that's how it is because it sounds right to me. But when you look into it, the pieces that make it sound right just, just aren't the real thing. So let's move on to the, exactly. to the next section, right, the, 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 planetary, the planetary alignment. I realize there's a lot more to pole shift, but really that's going to play in when we talk about planet X and Nibiru, and, and, and I'm, I want to do that in the next segment. So let's let's talk about the planetary alignment now, because that that is another thing that I hear so much about. Planets are going to line up. We're going to have massive gravity, all kinds of effects on the Earth, and cause a pole shift or some other 
strange thing. And, and the planets don't even ever align, isn't that correct? At least not that I can no, see. No, they don't. And as far as I can tell, that's kind of part of what the movie was trying to do, too. They didn't outright say that, but at the beginning of the movie, it kind of has this intro to it when the planets are all, like, moving into line, and it's, like, all sort of – it's presupposed that the planets were moving into line, and therefore all this seemingly unrelated solar flares and, you know, all this other stuff was happening, which, if you think about it, is just, like, this perfect storm of, of weirdness that, like, the planets go in line. What does that have to do with solar flares, and what does solar flares have the ability to, you know, make the crust move? But and I can tell you why they think that. But anyway, um, the uh, what, was the, what was the question? Uh, planetary alignment. I'll ask you about oh, solar yeah. flares in a minute too. That's actually I'm gonna okay, cover that yeah. after we do Nibiru. <laughs> okay. Well, planet. Uh, I mean, the, the planetary alignment. It's quite simply not true. The, the planets. If you were looking at it, let's say we we're looking at the solar system. There's the sun in front of it. Uh, what you would expect to see is kind of the planets all you know, in line, the, the, whether maybe all the planets in line on one side of the sun or maybe all the planets sort of divided up, some on one side and some on the other, but all kind of in line with the sun. That would kind of make sense if you if you saw that and you were like, well, maybe that would be a lot of gravity or, you know, they would like, there, there could be something going on there. But if you're looking at it from that perspective, the planets are not anywhere close to a line. You can verify that with certain types of astronomy programs. I say certain types uh, because... Uh, only a few different types of astronomy programs will actually show you that perspective. Sometimes they'll basically show you the Earth's perspective, looking from the Earth, what the Earth sees, and that really doesn't do any good as far as what the actual planets are doing in their rotation. So, uh, but yeah, you can see that they're nowhere even close. Some I've actually heard when people do do that program, the other version of the conspiracy theory is that they're kind of, sort of, and not really, like in a pentagram shape. So. People say that's what's going to happen in 2012. It's because they're not getting in line, but they're kind of sort of getting in this oblong pentagram, and that's what's going to happen. So, no, there's that no was, planetary alignment. Fun. I got to chuckle out of that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but there is, uh, and this is really subjective, but, but if you go on a, a regular astronomy program and you type in, uh, you know, uh, December 21st, 2012, you will get an impression that they are kind of in line uh, from the Earth's perspective. And this is what happens every single year. It's not a big thing, and they're not really in line. I mean, there's like, you know, you know they're, they're certainly not in perfect alignment. And even if they were, it would only be, you know, what it, uh, what some, an astrological event. That is to say that um, from sitting on, top, sitting on top of the Earth, looking out at the sky, even though the planets are very much not in a line, um, because of our perspective sort of being sort of two-dimensional at that point, they kind of are in line. And, of course, that wouldn't cause any uh, physical anything. Um, and not right, just that. that but the, the claim is about gravity. The claim is them lining up with the, with the sun and then the sun being aligned with this supermassive black hole or whatever whatever is in they say is in the middle of the universe is going to unleash horrible gravity on the earth but if the planets aren't lined up and the sun isn't lined up as well then the whole argument goes out the window even if they look like they're aligned that doesn't create the gravity <laughs> I, I, you right. know that's just crazy to me exactly exactly well, and they, they don't really they're not really even that aligned even from that perspective i'm kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt that yeah okay sort of and i think it's not even all of them that are in that sort of line but nevertheless it's yeah it, it's not true well, let's say, let's say, for instance, we have, uh, let's say the space shuttle is headed out towards the moon during this time it's supposed to be aligned. Um, from their perspective, 
depending on where they are, um, it's even going to be a to- in fact from any other planet or anywhere else. It's a completely different, completely different picture as well, too, right? Sure, it would be it would be no different than every single year since we've able since we've been able to get space shuttles up there. Nothing would nothing would be different. Um, the 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 procession cycle wouldn't be any different. We certainly wouldn't be any. Um, any noticeable difference as far as the you know galactic up and down and the cycle across that year? There, all there would literally be nothing that would change, and the their perspective would certainly see a there's no planets in alignment. They would see that there is if you could even kind of see this, you would see that uh, we're nowhere near in any kind of alignment in any way, shape, or form. It's totally unreasonable from a actual looking at the solar system perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what my research has shown too. Now we we have ten minutes left of this segment right here, but I I might we want to dive into this Planet X and the Bureau thing now because it, it's going to take a minute to get through. I already know. So the right. the biggest part of this theory, at least from what I hear lately, is Planet X. Planet X is hidden. Planet X is coming. Um, so first of all, where where did the whole theory of a Planet X uh, and this and this whole kind of myth surrounding it come from um, more or less from Zacharias Hitchin, but uh, kind of you know from Velikovsky a little bit, but he definitely created sort of this whole thing uh, and turned it into Planet X and gave it you know life because he Sitchin claims to be this. I mean, I read in the back of any one of Zacharias Sitchin's books, and he's saying that he is this unparalleled you know, a, a person who knows Sumerian so well that no one else can translate text, translate text like him. Even people that have studied it their entire lives have no idea what it says, only Zacharias Sitchin, and that's why Zacharias Sitchin can, can make these claims. But the problem with that is, is that you don't even have to be a scholar of Sumerian to see that Zacharias Sitchin is dead wrong. Uh, and one of the people that uh, that show that so clearly is uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, um, and his website is SitchinIsWrong.com. And one of the things that you'll see on that website is is called uh, the uh, explanation of cylinder seal two four three, I think. And that's the one that Zachariah Sitchin claims uh, to the the centerpiece of his theory that there are that the Sumerians believe there were twelve planets, uh, including the sun and the moon, which they apparently thought to be planets according to him and that they um and that this proved that there was uh uh you know an, uh, another planet and it is just unbelievably i mean i i show it in a, in just about all the different 2012 videos that uh, i do and it's to to a degree that you can see plainly just by looking at the pictures that this is a total uh lie um there's no there's no way out for Zachariah Sitchin. I, I I just don't understand how people could the thing about it is for when I first started this, all I wanted to do was show people the website Sitchinisrong.com. I thought that was gonna end all of this. I was like, hey no no, no let's look at this website. He's totally wrong. And then uh, to my shock, nobody uh and uh and so I, I still think um there is no there's no recourse there's for Zachariah Sitchin, he is he is busted, and I think that there's a lot of reasons that I believe that Zachariah Sitchin is a knowing disinformation agent. And I don't say that about very many people at all, but I do think Zachariah Sitchin is 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 a, a knowing player in this. 
I'd have to agree with you on that too because I I I started out uh I read Zechariah Sitchin and uh my my mom my mother studied uh Greek and Aramaic and uh she's she she got she was really big into uh taking the scriptures back to their original languages so that she made sure that uh she knew what she was talking about because she did a lot of witnessing to Jehovah's witnesses on the Bible and so she had she had to take things back to the Greek so that she could show them where where certain verses were were changed. And I, I happened to read read that book um, and and write my mom a letter saying, "Hey, what do you know about this Zechariah Sitchin guy?" Um, and, and it really was before uh, it was when his book first came out. So it was it was before the whole 2012 craze. And she sent me Michael Heiser's paper that he had written. I, I, I guess huh. the. I read the book about a year after it came out, and then Heiser, uh, he refuted the work and challenged uh, Zechariah Sitchin on numerous talk shows to come on the air. He offered him money uh, to come on and debate him. And uh, yeah, I read. I, I actually, it was it was it was a fairly thick scholarly paper. That, you know, if anybody's ever looked at scholarly works, they're dry, they're usually long and and hard to read. And I was so interested in the subject that I read the whole thing, and I thought, surely this is the end of, of Zechariah Sitchin, but he's written, I think, five more books since then. So, <laughs> in fact, it was an eight-book <laughs> yeah. eight series, I think. So uh, I, I have to agree with you that once people read Mike, Michael Heiser, that should be the end of Sitchin and the whole theory, but it seems to be growing day by day. And you already mentioned the parts where they, they he claims that Uranus and Neptune and Pluto are pictured, um, and how could they know, of course, unless they had a telescope? But if you replace a couple of those with with the Moon and the Sun, then of course you have all of the uh, you have the right amount of, of planets there in the picture. So, yeah, sure. That, and, and there's no the the Sumerians were very clear about the pictures that they used for the Sun, the Moon, and the stars. And that it's like kind of entry-level Sumerian for what I would gather to be able to recognize the symbol for the sun, recognize the symbol for stars, and recognize the symbol for the moon. It was it was very uh, very um, understood. And, yeah, and Zachary sun, either just totally just totally forgets that and just sees what he wants to see and disregards what the what that seal is all about in the first place. Yeah, that was a great point. I forgot that part because the sun always in Sumerian is represented by a circle with a bunch of squiggly lines coming out of it, and the star is always represented by a circle with a, I guess you'd call it a couple of really long pyramids or chevrons crossing each other behind it. I guess is how you'd say it because they don't actually cut through the circle, um, and, and and they they they. Uh, he, he somehow points out the, an obvious star symbol as as the sun over and over and over. So yeah, that's that's an excellent point right there. And someone wanted me to spell Michael Heiser, so it's M I C H A E L H E I S E R, and that's SitchinIsWrong.com if you want to go over there and check it out. Um, so let's 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 talk about now 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 we've 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 talked about the theory. Um, so let let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons why we can't see Nibiru right now, because um, there's a couple of different reasons why we can't see it and, uh, you know, why why we haven't with modern technology been able to notice its effects. Well, I don't know. This is uh, – there's 
I don't know what to think about this. There's lots of different reasons why the reasons that are given. Uh, some people say that it's behind the sun, and then and I've seen different people. Finn and Teller just had somebody on there that was talking about a picture behind the sun. It was anyway. It's pretty funny. They're really really raunchy, but it was funny. Uh, the the thing about that is if if it's behind the sun and it's in any kind of way, like people are saying, this crazy elliptical three hundred three thousand six hundred year orbit, then it would necessarily be this the shortest amount of time in that orbit would be behind the sun because it's getting spun around the sun and catapulted back out to this 3,600-year uh, 3, orbit. So it's necessary that if it is behind the sun, it would be behind the sun for an extremely short time. And we would, uh, in any other way, I mean, if this thing was barreling towards us, uh, then, uh, then we would know because it would even if it was as far as away, you know, giving the best possible ed- estimates, if it was going to get anywhere near us anytime near 2012, it would be the largest object in the sky. Um, there is a lot that I went into, and the Greg Braden debunked about this, that, uh, that is really important, because what I think that people see when, they re- when they're talking about some of the old school problems that are associated with uh, this, because people point to a lot of stuff and say, this is why Planet X uh, exists and things. I think that the, those problems about certain uh, dates being changed, you know, things that happened in the past, different orbits, resonant orbits changing in the solar system, these kinds of things uh, are explained uh, by, by these uh, ancient sort of near passes of Mars and that there was a time in history when Mars uh, and the Earth were on resonant orbits and this caused uh, at certain points, severe cataclysms. You can actually, uh, you look into history, people were, the reason people were so afraid of Mars in antiquity was because of these near passes of Mars. And they would cause great cataclysms, uh, and it was very timeable. You would know when this would happen. Mars would be extremely close. Uh, there's a really good anecdote about this. Uh, there is a book called Gulliver's Travels, where uh, the individual who wrote the book uh, he was just writing a, a you know a story, but in the, in it he had uh, this character uh, go to this far off land where uh, these scientists were boasting about that they knew that moon, that that Mars had two moons and um, and that uh, they they said you know very specific things. One is that its it, its orbit was going the other way, and another that there was uh, it had some other feature that I can't remember what it was, but. What we turned out, it turns out that that's exactly true, and the reason that's significant is that they are uh, the smallest objects, uh, the smallest moons in the in the solar system. They're the darkest objects in the entire solar system. They're they're made out of a particular material that makes it completely, uh, without modern equipment, unable to be seen. So, and they are also uh, named for like fear. That's like Phobos, and uh, you know something like that. This is, again, with this ancient sort of view of, and actually, if, if you really want to see, I, I detailed all the, uh, all the places I was getting all this information from in that um, Greg Braden debunked video, and so I really encourage people to check it out, because it also explains why the 360-day cycle of the year and the 365-day cycle, why we needed to add five days to the calendar, and that why all of ancient history added them at about the same time. It was because it was absolutely necessary because we got on different resonant orbits uh, because of a, a, such a near pass happened that it kind of shot us back off uh, of this into uh, the orbit that we're currently holding with Mars. That's interesting. I, I, I came across a similar story by uh, a, a guy who wrote a book beyond science fiction named Jim Wilhelmson who talks about uh, 
the I guess it was Saturn giving birth to Venus, and it, it and and it actually had a close pass with Mars that caused it to have the close passes with Earth until its orbit settled down. It was kind of like a war between planets. Um, and and he he does he 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 does some really excellent excellent work too. So I, I was kind of surprised. I was actually surprised that you would. It, I must have. I didn't see the Greg Braden debunked video, or I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, but I was surprised that, that you had mentioned that there, because there is a, there is a lot of evidence to point to Saturn being the uh, the the planet that that the ancients were so fearful of. So that that's pretty cool for you to put that in there without. <laughs> I like it when coincidences happen like that. It's pretty cool. So well, check, check it out. See, there's got, actually in that. In that resonant part, there also Venus is, is a structured part of that. You, it's all explained in those notes in that particular video, but go ahead. Okay, awesome. I was just going to say we, we have to go to break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, we'll switch gears a bit to solar flares and, uh, well, the, the, then the last one, the Enlightenment Theory. So we'll be right back here in just a couple of minutes. Sounds good. Hey, Freedomizers, Freedomizer Radio and Dehydrate2Store.com have teamed up to give you an Excalibur Dehydrator giveaway. Go to www.Dehydrate2Store.com, that is Dehydrate, the number two, store.com, and fill out the entry. One lucky listener will win an Excalibur Food Dehydrator on April 1st. The winner will be announced live on April 1st on air during the Proof Negative show which is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., that is West Coast time, that is 9 p.m. to midnight on the East Coast. So sign up today by going to www.dehydrate2store.com. Hey, Val Valado here. Don't miss my show Sunday night from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. We are taking the New World Order by its nasty horns and expanding Posing them in the light. We are spreading truth. And you know what? You need to become part of this effort. One person at a time, we can make change. So don't miss my show, Val Volano, Sunday night, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on Freedomizer Radio. This is INF11B38. In today's world, we have lost what truly matters in life. We're told what to think what to wear, how to act, where to be at a specific time, what to do when we get there, and when we can get off of work so that we can funnel back into what is now deemed second priority by the elite corporations that bind us in tyranny. We are controlled by every facet of life. It is important that we break from this false reality that it's the elitist type of world we're fooled into believing. The only way to do this is simply by knowledge. So join me, INF11B38, Saturdays, 6 to 7 Pacific Standard Time on Freedomizer Radio.
All right, welcome back to Freedomizer Radio. This is Hardtail News with Doc, and of course our special guest tonight is Chris White from the Zeitgeist Challenge and uh, Nowhere to Run 1984 on YouTube and also the 2012deception.net. Um, which we just heard has been hacked recently. Uh, go figure, happens here all the time. And I want to thank you for joining us. Um, as always, um, it is a fantastic, information-packed interview with you, Chris. And uh, we left off uh, talking about, well, we were talking about Nibiru, um, and we've covered the different, uh, really the different theories on that. Uh, so let's let's move into the solar flares now. We, we Solar flares are, well, it was the topic of the 2012 movie, and uh, it's really been in the news lately. Even the History Channel has kind of been, uh, I, I want to say, uh, prepping people for something to be happening behind some uh, solar flares or some kind of solar activity. So let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. Well, the thing about the solar flares is that um, that we've been monitoring solar flares for a long, long time. It's like one of the most... Uh, because it, because solar flares are so closely associated with sunspots, and sort of a loose rule of thumb is the number of sunspots uh, and equal sort of the general number of solar flares and the and the and how many or and how strong solar flares are. Of course, we've gotten a little bit better at it now, but that's been going on for hundreds of years. So there's actually a huge body of evidence to to sort of map out what solar flares do. And unlike a lot of the other things. In that we're talking about in, so, in 2012 issues, solar flares are pretty darn uh, predictable in that they have a cycle where 11-year cycle where they pretty much you know go from minimal what they call sol- solar minimum to solar maximum, and it's true that solar flares can be random at any time. In fact, the largest solar flare that's ever been recorded was at a solar minimum, but as a jun- general rule. Uh, they they follow a solar solar sort of uh, 11-year solar cycle where the more and more uh, solar flares are at the maximum and the less solar flares and less strong ones are at the minimum. Now the the claim is that they, this we're going to have you know in 2012 is we're predicting this grand you know solar flare thing, but that doesn't even make any sense. I mean it. it if you say that right, you could be referring to the solar maximum, but we now know the solar maximum is going to be in 2013, not 2012. But even if you were totally, it, it would be like how somebody said it. Like if I said it, you know, 11 years ago, uh, and I said, you know, didn't you know that uh, at this time there's going to be the largest solar flare? We're going to be at a solar maximum. It's going to be huge. And you're like, oh, my gosh, is that real? It's like, yeah, it's happened every 11 years for the past, you know, forever. But so nothing significant is going to happen other than how people say it. Now there have been um, little, you know, little blurbs here and there. Like for instance, I, I just have something in my email box right now that says something to the effect of, "Well, you know, NASA uh, mentioned that we're going to have this great, huge, unprecedented solar flare in um, in 2012." And what's interesting about that is NASA most certainly did not say that. It would be ridiculous to claim that you know when a random solar flare is going to happen. Um, you could predict that there's going to be more solar. You couldn't say that this coming up sol- solar maximum is going to be much bigger than any other solar maximum in the history of the world. There wouldn't be any, you know, there wouldn't be good reason to state that, um, as far as I know. But I, I would here, have to agree. And and there might be something, but I don't think I don't think that there is. I mean, I, I I'm not like 
super known all that stuff about that. But I will say this, that they, uh, um, that the NASA article was saying that um, it was this hypothetical situation. It was, it was a fictional account of what would happen in the event of a major uh, solar flare. And this fictional account just happened to use the date of, I think it was 2012, maybe even December 2012. I can't remember exactly what it was. But it was clearly, in this fictional account, they used the term 2012. And so that thing hit the Internet like, uh, I mean, it was everywhere. Uh, that article from NASA was everybody's proof that NASA was saying that 2012 there was going to be this huge solar flare. And it's just, it's just totally not true. Um, so, so, yeah, that's just, bad. that's just bad science. Now, I would say this. Let's say that the biggest solar flare that we'd ever known of, uh, you know, let's say just as big as the last one or whatever. Now, it's hard to say because I think the last solar flare that was noticed, you know, there wasn't as much electronic stuff going on or whatever. But basically, that's what would happen. The electronic gizmos would, you know, blink out, maybe even for a long period of time. But that's it. I mean, that it, other than the infrastructure damage that that would cause, you know, having security systems down or whatever, phones and iPhones wouldn't work or whatever, but that's it. Um, so, and, and I mean, to say that the solar flares, like, like the movie was suggesting, that we're just on this solar cycle that's going to melt the core of the Earth, which is Graham Hancock's whole idea, uh, and, and is insane. I mean, it, I suppose it's possible but you would have to like have the sun sitting right next to the earth. I mean, we, the amount of energy is, as far as I understand it, the so unbelievably much more than any solar flare could ever give, regardless if, if we had no magnetic field at all. I mean, we're talking about not, it's not going to melt the, you know, melt the crust of the earth or whatever. I, I would have to agree because the worst on record sunspots, at least as long as, and flares that they were keeping record of happened in the 80s. And they're talking about that this one might be as big as that one. And I was here in the 80s. Uh, you know, I, I was in the Army, as a matter of fact, and I'm still here now. And all of our electronics kept working fine while I was over there guarding the border against communism though, over there in Germany uh, when we had a, when we had a, an East Germany to worry about uh, coming through the fold of gap uh, we we worked we went right through that like it was no big deal so I, I i i know we are more dependent on electronics and i could see the havoc that that all the electronics going out uh, and maybe the power grid going down that would create anarchy but it certainly anarchy won't melt the crust of the earth either so i, I would have to agree with you <laughs> <laughs> it might melt some other things but not the crust of the earth so so here here to me this this next piece we're going to get to right now is the biggest piece of this to me. It, it, it talks to motive, speaks to motive, and it combines a couple things. It's the enlightenment theory as well as the passing through the photon belt theory kind of combined because I think they're related. So let's talk a bit about the enlightenment theory and why, at least I believe, that's the most dangerous, dangerous of, of the theories out there. Well, uh, it is, but it's not. It's not first very obvious that it's really dangerous. Um, but the Enlightenment theory is different. Um, almost, uh, it's certainly a growing number of people, and always from the beginning there was this idea uh, that uh, that 2012 was not some doomsday event. Oh, the people that think that they're crazy. 
what it really is is this uh, spiritual evolution. Those that are of a certain type of mental vibration, they're going to change. There's lots of sort of ways that they can get people into this mindset. Sometimes they'll say things like, you know, really, we're all just a bunch of, you know, um, atoms that are kind of, you know, if you think about they've got all kinds of different sort of illusions to sort of say that, you know, it's possible for us to evolve in that sort of way um, in, the, in that and then they say basically that's what's coming in 2012. There's going to be a great shift in consciousness where, um, you know, people are going to be in this new sort of enlightened state, this new sort of evolved state. But there's always going to be this remnant of people that aren't ready for that enlightenment. And so there's various different things that they say about that. But um, the reasons why people say this are very varied. Um, one of them you mentioned was the photon belt. And that requires a great deal of uh, explanation, I suppose. But there, are, there, are, there is not a whole lot of people that do claim a reason why this is going to happen, which to me, I, this, and you wouldn't believe it. I mean, I actually have a Spanish version of, the, um, of the, uh, uh, the 2000, one of the 2012 videos out there, and I've been learning Spanish. I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I think I got it pretty well figured out, except I still have trouble with some irregular verbs and stuff. But I'm reading some of these comments, and they're the exact same thing. It's, it's basically... Oh, I, I know that there's no uh, there's no uh, actual you know doomsday event. What it's really going to happen is that we're all going to be enlightened, you know, or some some version of that. And that's just every what everybody thinks. And and my my point in this all this whole thing is that that's what we're all supposed to think. Uh, we're all supposed to get some sort of vague notion of that in our in our minds. And that's why all the people that were uh, almost everyone that that has that started the 2012 stuff right from the beginning have been talking to these entities. And almost without exception, those entities don't take a apocalyptic view ultimately of it. Some of them do for other reasons, I think. But they take, they take the you're going to be enlightened version of events. And that in contrast with the fact that those, those entities are wrong and that they're apparently lying about who they are, demonstrated what they tell other people that they are, then we're, we're left with um, motive. We're left with something about, well, we're not necessarily at the point of motive at that point, but we're at the point of intent, that they are giving us a false version of the story for apparently some reason. And so as I was learning a lot about this stuff to that 2012, that it was wrong, I mean, and seeing the, the great push for it, I mean, this is a big thing. People really are being encouraged to believe in 2012 on a very massive level. As I said, it was one of the first things that I was uh, given in the, in the truth movement. I was, I was a 2012-er right before, before I was a, a truther, uh, and that's not an accident. It was, it's um, in my opinion anyway. I, I would, I would so. have to agree with you too because, as I said, one of the first books that ever crossed my path um, was, was Twelfth Planet by Zechariah Sitchin. And so all of my initial forays onto information searching and things like that all had to do with uh, trying to figure out this theory because it tidied everything up so nicely for folks. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, Benjamin Krim, uh, talk, even though he doesn't say 2012, he talks about a grand event coming and a, a spiritual evolution and enlightenment coming and communing with, with spirits. And, and I, I call them demons. I, I, I keep it, you know, what the, what the Bible says. The Bible is specific 
about soothsayers and fortune tellers and, and channelers, and, and, and they were evil. And what they were dealing with was evil. And so so when, whenever I hear from somebody, uh, I channel the spirit, and they said that we're going to be enlightened, um, I, I, that throws up huge red flags to me because, number one, they don't even know what they're communicating with. Some of them think it's aliens. Uh, some of them think it's deceased relatives. Some of them think it's us from a long time ago. Um, so, it, it, you know, they don't even know, and that should scare them, scare folks to death right there. Um, sure. And, 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 and you've got of, people like the Theosophical Society that, that's, I mean, they wouldn't say the exact same things about 2012. And that's what, uh, one thing I want to really try to, to focus is that it would seem to some people that uh, this is, that not everybody believes in 2012, of course not, uh, but that's, and that's true. But this idea is, it's just another packaging for the same idea. And again, that's part of something that uh, is called the externalization of the hierarchy, or at least that's one name for it. Basically, it's preparing the world for a coming Antichrist. And the idea of a spiritual enlightenment, which leaves behind a group of people that aren't enlightened, um, and I know that seems hard to believe that the the politically correct world could fall into something like that right now, but I, I believe that there's going to be some events in the future that are going to shake up the world to such a degree that something like that is going to be the only explanation other than you know, something like uh, the Bible being true. Uh, but anyway, so, so there are other ways that this idea is being taught to people, including theosophy, including, uh, you know, a lot of the Eastern religions have a, a version of this sort of idea that can be easily reconciled to it. Um, but yeah, but yeah, go ahead. Well, before we're going to talk specifically about that in the last half hour, um, about who benefits from the 2012 deception, because I'm in agreement with you there. I, I, the, to, to finish up with this, uh, especially the photon belt part, because that part is really hilarious to me, because technically um, they're talking about somehow we're going to drift through the Pleiadesian star system or something like that, and that's not even photons, right? That that's a gas cloud, isn't that correct? And they and and they should know that, right? Right. I mean, that that's what's so funny is that you have like people. Uh, my my favorite is when uh, uh, the Michael Tassarian is wrong video that I did. Michael Tassarian, if you know who he is, he's just so superiorly in, intellectual, you know, and every, that's kind of his whole bag is that he's just way smarter than everybody else. And here he's talking about this photon belt. Which I mean, a nebula that, that he's talking about is made up of like gas and plasma. It's not photons. I mean, photons are light particles that don't gather together. They're, they're light. They they travel very fast. And 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 I mean, some people will bring up the the, the part of that theory. It's like, well, they will gather together on the on the cu- on the cusp of a uh, of a black hole. Um, but I would say if we're moving into a black hole, the last of our worries is going to be a nebula. We're, we're going to have a lot more to worry about. But we're not. But just to cover that, we're not anywhere near a black hole. We're not moving towards it. In fact, we're not even. We're moving away from the Pleiades. This idea was again something that came directly from people that were channeling uh, two different kinds of entities. Well, that, that one of them said that they were Pleiadians, and then another one said uh, they were Syrians. I think from the Sirius star system, but. Uh, either way, they both, at the same time, this actually came through like Nexus Magazine, which is a very nefarious magazine that uh, that kind of was for a long time sort of conspiracy place where a lot of people were getting this. It's a very new age sort of situation, but I, it's a long story. But the 
there was an article written in there. There's a long story, but this is basically now proven to be absolutely ridiculously wrong. We're not moving. We're moving away from it. Even if any of this was true, the the calculations about the speed that we would have to be moving at are just unbelievable. I mean, it's 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 beyond impossible. I don't have the figures in front of me. I do ten percent. Ten percent of the speed of light. Ten percent of the right. speed of light is how fast we'd have so, to be going. And exactly. uh, yeah. It's just not, and I'd actually go to a great deal of detail on this in the Greg Braden debunked five of fifteen, uh, because and I I didn't really have that much against Greg Braden debunked or Greg Braden, but he was just he just held all of these crazy beliefs about everything simultaneously. So it was kind of like being able to debunk the entire New Age with just one guy who, uh, you know, and his whole gig is that he's trying to show that it's all scientific, and so he's quoting all these things to prove people quote unquote that it's scientific. So it was just really easy. To, to be able to hit a lot of birds with one stone. Uh, but, yeah, so photon belt uh, is – and it, here's the other thing about that. Let's just say for the sake of argument that there was something in the, in, in the Pleiades system that we passed through every 26,000 years, which is what they say. Um, well, there's lots of different things about that. First of all, um, we wouldn't pass through anything as a result of the 26,000-year cycle because it's, as we discussed very early, it's just a, it's not even a physical thing. It's something that's a perception thing based on the wobble of the Earth. So we're not moving anywhere. The Earth is not going anywhere over the course of 26,000 years. Um, so that's impossible. Uh, the other, let's just say they were talking about the 250 million year cycle. But the problem with that is, is if it was supposed to happen every time we came back around to the system, then there's no, it takes 250 million years to come back around to it, and the life of a nebula is in the hundreds of thousands of years. So there's no way to, there would be no reason at all to expect a nebula to still be there, uh, not just in, in terms of its lifespan, let alone its you know, motion. Uh, but, but then again, you have the biggest problem, in my opinion, is that the complete lack of evidence that even if this was some just grand thing made up of light, Let's just say it was all light. We're going to pass through a big, 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 wonderful light. Uh, the whole universe was, the whole solar system. So what? I mean, is there any evidence at all that light's going to make us spiritually enlightened in that sense? I mean, there would have to be a just huge body of evidence saying that this particular light is very DNA-changing light, because that's what they say, that it's going to actually move, change your DNA and all this stuff. There would have to be like, at least something for, for me to, to think that that was going to happen. But it, again, it goes to show you the power of the presentation. I think it was a uh, Chuck Missler who once said, beware the man with the colored slides. And uh, it's just kind of an idea of, of an old timey kind of thing that the presentation is, is paramount in this, in this regard. You have to be on your guard when you're listening to people, uh, you know, flash data in front of you like I'm doing right now. I just realized, but uh, you know, that I do try to link everything. If you go to my videos and stuff like that, I try to provide links to where you can, Go find out for yourself. Um, so yeah, yeah, you most definitely do that. Uh, the questions that I had uh, that I wasn't sure on, I followed right through the links to to check out. So you definitely well researched, and you've done some traveling to to do that research too. Spent your own money, and that's what really impressed me the most is that you, the t amount of time you've put in and the amount of your your own time and money you've taken to to go out and do this. But then. Because this next segment is so important, I, I know that's why you've done it. Because there, there is, there's, there's really something hidden in all this um, that, that people need to understand. Um, and and folks like David Ike and Jordan Maxwell aren't going to tell you 
uh, the part that's hidden in this, that, because because they want you to to lead you there uh, by just planting, I guess, the seeds, so that when you see when you see whatever events that are planned to come about, that you'll be primed primed to accept what's going on. That's 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 what I see going on on here. I, I see this as a thinly veiled assault on Christianity uh, and and the, the actual the tenets of Christianity and and a reintroduction to the, to the original sin of ye can be as gods uh, one way or another. And, and and this is a real neat way of of hiding that theology uh, behind all this other stuff. Would you would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I mean there is the there is so much that's going to be done incorporating this idea. It's not all going to be about 2012, but it will. But the idea behind 2012 is 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 a very subtle way to begin to implant and eventually, once the trigger is pulled, to activate a lot of the programming that we're getting about this. And one of them is that we can be as gods. In my opinion, and this is this is my opinion, that in the future, well, let me back up and say this. Um, there's something that I do know about the future, and that is that through the Bible, the Antichrist uh, is going to come and eventually cause people to worship him. That's ultimately what Satan's going to want to do with this world. He's been given control of this world, and that's ultimately what he's been spending all his time from the very moment he found out he was here to be able to do, to, to force everyone to worship him. Now, Satan is not omnipresent. Satan is not omnipotent. Satan uses the things of this world to achieve the same kind of goals. Uh, in this case, in God's case, God has he, he, the Holy Spirit, for instance. Um, Satan has, doesn't have that. He's, he has demons to sort of do sort of like that, uh, sort of kind of a, a counterfeit of that. To cause people to worship him is going to require a physical infrastructure on Satan's part. That, that's one interesting part of the, the last book, part of Revelation, and that is that the false prophet. One of the false prophet's job is kind of acting as what the Holy Spirit does. He, can, he continues to uh, cause people to worship the beast. His job is not to glorify himself, the, pro, the false prophet. His job is to get people to worship the beast, and they use apparently some sort of mechanism to do this. Uh, the mark of the beast, its main function. Is uh, is part of it has more to do with worship than it has to do with buying and selling. That's a part of it. That's sort of an incentive program. But ultimately, the mark has to do with forcing people to worship people. It's my it's my view that some sort of technology will be used in in this situation that will actually cause people to to want. Not, I don't know about want to worship them. That will put, somehow force them to do it. Some sort of technology, in my opinion, is being built to be able to do that. I think it's going to be far more than a tracking device. Uh, now, uh, I think the reason, one of the reasons I think that is that the wording of it doesn't sound like, you know, people seem to think, you know, God says, hey, you know, you get the mark of the beast, you know, that's it for you, I'm washing my hands of you. I don't think it's quite like that. I think that what's being said there is you get the mark of the beast, you're not going to want me anymore. You know, it's that, he's done everything he can to say, don't get it. If you do that, that's it. You're going to worship him. Uh, and so that's what I think this is all about. This is what his plan is. And once we understand that, everything makes sense. If you understand that he's been working on this plan for a long, long, long time, and for whatever reason, he wants humanity to worship him. He must get something out of it. I don't know. There's something going on there I'll never be able to know, and I don't care to. But that's what the deal is. So 
the everything well, else hold is pretty on, much hold a wait. On, hold on, hold on one one quick second there. I, I want to let you know that that this I want to devote this last segment to because because I, I watched especially I was really impressed with the last two parts of the video about um, how how you elaborated on how you you thought things were gonna go uh, when the Antichrist did appear, the events that would happen. So uh, I want to take this this last thirty minutes to really go into that and to, in some detail. Um, all all those little pieces because I think sure. it's excellent. Okay, well um, let's see where to begin on that. Well, um, we can we can start with uh, let let me say that have you ever seen the the uh, the vision that George Washington had uh, during the uh, 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 war with King George for our independence, where where he had it was three visions that he had in that dream, and the third vision was that. Uh, there would be well, there was there was of course the first battle for independence, and then he saw of course that America was going to become independent, and then the third vision was he saw in the future um, there would be a great great uh, battle, a big black cloud over America, and that that all the forces from around the world would be here fighting against the American people. And and at, at the moment it seemed like when when America was about to fall to this to this great evil and this is in Wilhelmson's book as well um that there would be a great light and what looked like an angel would come down from heaven and actually help smite uh, the enemies that were attacking America and at the last minute America would be saved and then this 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 person would set themselves up as Jesus um, and then later, of course, the vision ends there with George Washington saying that America will never, uh, that its flag will will never will never fall from from the from the flag post, and it would never lose its independence. But Wilhelmson goes on to talk about how this is this could very probably be the entrance of the Antichrist, posing a, as a fake second coming of of Jesus to come back and possibly even fool the elect. And that fit really closely with with what you were talking about. So I, I thought you could kind of pick up from there because that's where really uh, your version, I think, is is probably closer to the facts than than the rest of of what Wilhelmson wrote. Sure, and I think that uh, that that's that's right on. I, I'm, I'm I mean the details of of how that all plays out, the the war and, and all that stuff is, is probably. Uh, up for grabs, but let's let's just look at it. So, my my theory is is that that when this happens, that all of us out there that are in the truth movement and the entire world that have been we've all been prepped for this, um, that we're going to really think it's a good idea. And I think that other than being uh, in Christ, everyone's going to think this is a good idea, and they're going to believe this lie. Um, one of the most interesting admonitions in the Bible is, to, to me, is the, well, it's in different sorts of passages, but Mark 13 is one of them. It's a parallel passage, Mark, uh, Matthew 24. But they asked, you know, Jesus took some of his best friends uh, together, and they, they were there like, hey, Jesus, what's, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen when you return? And Jesus was really clear. Two times he said this, this basic thing. He said, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many, and we shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. Well, I, if you really chew on that for a while, it will confuse you, because um, 
he's saying that in the context of this person uh, coming in his name, saying that he's Christ, uh, there's going to be this war. But he really wants us to make sure that the end is not yet, that that is not going to be the end. So it's my, it's my um, personal belief that there is going to be something set up, a false sort of Armageddon, and I can guarantee you that this Armageddon is going to be made to be, look exactly like it's caused by Judeo-Christianity. That is, that they're going. That's why they've been prompting, uh, you know, and and poking the Muslims, and in the sense of funding the school systems that they have that get them to hate the Jews and stuff like that, which is all done through the UNWRC or wh- uh, however you said it, Works Relief, whatever agency. Uh, that that's why, uh, you know, through the Catholic Church, they're kind of wearing the mask of the Christians there, and all, and then of course through America, which will, um, well, it's more, it's more the control of uh, the Jewish uh, government in the same way they control the American government and the control of uh, basically the Islamic world. They can create a war there uh, that when it's destroyed, and I, my, my personal the opinion John is that it King would be... John King Radio Show. Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I didn't, oh, okay. I didn't do I thought, that. So, yeah, I didn't do that. So okay, that well, happens I, from time I, to time, was, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, so I think that... Um, uh, yeah, that that's, that that war is going to happen. It, it might not be exactly like that. It might not be the you know some great thing like that. I, I don't want to try to push that too hard because I don't really know the the dynamics of the war or whatever. But I do think it's going to be very. It's ne- necessary for it to be extreme. It's ne- necessary for it to be very very brutal. And also, it needs to look on the surface like it's fulfilling Bible prophecy. I think that they will do stuff like have Russia be uh, brought into it. I think that uh, you know China will have a role. And I think that. Uh, this is all stuff that can be very, you know, very easily manipulated by what we would call the New World Order. I mean, they called uh, George Bush Sr., his name was Magog. Uh, that shows to me an, an understanding of, of this particular kind of Bible prophecy. And that is that, you know, it says, you know, I will put hooks in your jaws and I will, you know, bring you against Israel. And that God apparently destroys this whole onslaught of this Russian and, and, and Syrio, Assyrian sort of group or whatever. And anyway, it would be very easy to, to manipulate from a geopolitical standpoint, even if it wasn't quite perfect. Um, and the benefit of that is that if, if it could be stopped, if this war could be stopped in the fields of Megiddo, then you would make it look like whoever stopped this war that came down from the clouds uh, would, uh, would be Jesus. I mean, there would hardly be a Christian in the world that would say that was Jesus. I mean, here he is. He stopped this war. Uh, you know, I mean, if you listen to Fox News or you know whatever, this is all. This is they'll play this up like this is you know the real deal. You know, here it is. Uh, and I and I say towards the end of this, and Jesus goes into quite a bit of discussion at this, but he ends uh, or doesn't ends with th- this basic idea. He says, um, and if any man shall say, Lo, he here is Christ, or Lo, he is there, believe him not, for false Christ and false prophets shall rise and show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Uh, but take the, And so he goes on in different places to, uh, to describe this great deception. I think that this deception is going to be much bigger than we give it credit for. I think a lot of Christians believe, hey, you know, I'm going to know what's going to happen. There's going to be an antichrist, and I'm going to know it's the antichrist. I'm not going to take the mark. It's going to be easy, and then Jesus is going to come back. 
I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think that it's, the problem is this is this is where it gets confusing. And, and well, I don't know if it's confusing. It, it makes it click a little bit. My my admonition to people is that even the average zeitgeist believer, 9/11 truther, who is uh, spending his night burning DVDs trying to fight the new world order, he too will believe this is um, the return of Christ, but not in the Bible kind of way. And the reason is is because I think that uh, whoever this guy is is going to essentially claim the zeitgeist kind of line, which is that, hey, look, uh, I'm not, I'm, I am the Jesus, but I'm also Buddha. I'm also Krishna. I've been the same guy the whole time. I keep coming back at various times to kind of set you guys straight. And here you guys are messing up with these wars. I, you're about to destroy yourselves. We or whatever I am, I created you. And this is, you know, this is all sort of my thing. So, uh, you know, I'm here to stop you. I, all the religions are whatever, you know, correct. I think that there's going to be an alien connection, but that's just beside the point. I think that, that there's going to be some sort of uh, tie-in to people believing that this is somehow aliens from another planet or something like that. Because if they can do that, then that's one of the triggers that I think is really important, which is it gets the world to reject God. And that's one of the big parts of, of what happens there is they not only reject God because we've been trained to believe, illogically I might add, that uh, if aliens show up, then that means that God doesn't exist. And while I think that aliens, what we experience as aliens are uh, demonic in nature, I don't, I don't uh, discount the possibility of other life forms necessarily. I mean, the Bible doesn't discount them. It, it, it's just, I mean, God could do that if he wanted to. It's, it's not like it would hold him, no one would hold him back, you know. But, but at the same time, what we do experience, I think, can be demonstrated to be demonic. Uh, so you know, my point is here that so pe- the world is going to believe immediately in the presence of aliens that God doesn't exist. So they will be justified in the next move, which is to believe that they are gods via the idea that's been implanted to us very subtly through Zachariah Sitchin um, and other people. Now, again, this is kind of the background noise of the truth movement, this idea that if we were created by uh, basically more advanced uh, people, then that means that we can also evolve to that a level of advancement. And if we can evolve to that level of advancement, it essentially means that we are our own gods. That is that, you know, th- those aliens that came back and saved us from our thing and have a lot of technology and that, and, that seeded mankind, and, and, uh, and that would, of course, give all the, the evolutionists a good reason to rejoice because they finally don't have to explain DNA. Um, so, so they're all happy. The scientists are all happy. They have a reason to finally, I mean, Dawkins in the, in the Ben Stein movie, that's what he said. Like, well, yeah, there could be intelligent design as long as it was from aliens. I mean, this is wh- where this is going, in my opinion, because that gives them, they, they get to finally say, okay, yeah, you're right, intelligent designers. You're right. And God doesn't exist. That's the, that's the problem with the intelligent design things, that ultimately it's going to be used against people in my opinion. <laughs> so those things will happen immediately at the presence of angels. We'll hate God, believe ourselves to be God. Uh, and then the third thing that also happens with aliens is that we um, will believe that it's possible for us to evolve to something more like them, which will be physically different. Possibly they'll show some sort of signs they can do mentally or whatever. So we'll believe that we can turn into something like that. And they'll, I'm guaranteeing you will be saying that you are at this very important time in history where some of you are going to evolve into something like us, but some of you aren't. But 
you guys just witnessed this huge bloody war where the Christians and the Jews and the Muslims were all fighting because they believe this Bible. Some of them believe this kind of Bible, and other ones believe this Bible. But, but that, that's your problem. These are the people that they're not ready to evolve. I mean, they're just still doing their thing. And a lot of them will actually, of course, at that time believe in this whole new thing. Except there's going to be one pesky little group of Christians that's going to be like, nah, uh this is not true. You know, this is wrong. You guys are wrong. And the Bible said this. This is exactly what it was saying. There's going to be even a minority amount of the Christians, I mean, are going to be saying that. Those that are, you know, well, just by the grace of God that are going to be doing that. And so those people will be viewed by the media, by everything else, very logically, I might add. If I believed what was going on at that point, what the news media was telling me, what this, what this whole situation happening, this weird situation, I too would believe that the Christians would have to be eliminated. Because it's, cause if you really look into the 2012 stuff, that's what you're going to find every time. The people that you think are just so, whoa, so peaceful and new agey, and they just want you know, everybody to be enlightenment and do love, and you know, everything's great. What the problem is is that very subtly their undertones are, in this new enlightenment, Christians have to be eliminated. There has to be genocide. It's the only way. And some of them will absolutely say it. And that's the scary thing, that when you really look at 2012 enlightenment, it's, it's a control of a totalitarian government bigger than anyone that's ever been formed with the motive and power to wipe a certain group of religion off the face of the planet. So that is why 2012 can be, if all of that stuff is in, a, in any way true, very dangerous. I, I have to agree with you there, and I think that is a, a fantastic uh, theory on, on how things will go. And, and I, 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 too, believe that, that aliens in some – the alien agenda in some way or another has to be connected because that, 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 is, that is the one thing that is outside of religion – but at the same time could connect itself to religion or even say that religion is the problem that would fool or could fool even the elect, as it says. It's just the only, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time racking my brain on what it could be, you know, because I, I spend a lot of time on preparation and getting ready for having to be here um, in case the rapture doesn't happen like it says. And And so... Uh, you know, I I, I want to be aware. I want you know my little girl and my wife and 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 the rest of my family and, and friends. I, I want to make sure that that we make it. So, you know, looking and looking, it seems that even even in the case of uh, I, I think that they could pull off a false rapture and to explain even the real rapture. I like your analogy of that too. I I really think that that is real close to how the alien agenda will fit in. Why don't you describe that a little bit uh, for folks? Because uh, it's it's more your idea than mine. Uh, the uh, what about the the rapture? You mean the alien agenda and how it might possibly uh, how they might have a false rapture and then the explanation for the real rapture that that would that could come from that. Right. Well, because that is some I mean, fantastic theorizing right there. This is, there's a lot of there's a lot of debate on that, and I think that um, I personally think that having a true false rapture with Bluebeam project or whatever uh is is not possible. I don't think that the I don't think the infrastructure is there. I think that they could do something like that. I don't think it's in the cards though, but the only reason I think that it's a possibility is because um when you really look into what pe what if you get into like what the demons are saying to the people that are channeling them and talking about two thousand twelve, 
almost without exception, they are talking about this uh, this event where a lot of the ones that aren't ready to be enlightened are going to be taken away. And so, and some of them say to be prepared so that they can, you know, be enlightened later on or go to basically a school is what a lot of them describe it as. Um, Peter Goodgame has done a lot of work in collecting a lot of the chain information that's talking about basically a rapture. Uh, but what's in, and I, I know... Um, there was one lady that uh, we've interviewed, her name is Lynn, and she had the same, she was in very uh, close contact with demons. She believed that they were angels and she was doing a lot of Reiki and stuff, and they were really, really interesting story with her. But she was always told that this rapture thing would be the reverse, that it was the ones that essentially we would call the New Age gurus. They were going to be raptured, and the, the Christed ones, I think is what they call them, uh, would, would not be... Uh, or, you know, some, some kind of a reversal of roles there. I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on, but I do think that uh, this, I think that the rapture uh, is what, if Satan was still, like we said, Satan thinking about this, you know, the whole time, how is, if he reads in the Bible that there's a rapture, it doesn't really matter when the rapture happens. He's still got to keep people uh in line to the very end in this, and the rapture poses an extreme threat to him in that it has to be explained. He has to have something in place to be able to say, well, well, I know that just happened, I understand, a lot of people just left, but this is why. And without that, he's running a major risk of uh, this whole thing falling apart. I mean, he's got too much time and money <laughs> invested in this, uh, thing to let it fall apart because he hadn't thought ahead to think of an explanation for what the Bible clearly says is going to happen. And again, regardless of the time frame, which I personally view the time frame uh, to be pre-wrath, and I, I can show you really quick why it, it makes all the sense in the world. A lot of the reason uh, that people think that uh, it'll be pre, uh, pre-wrath or pre-trib or, pre, um, uh, or post-trib are actually are both right. And they the problem is that they both have enough have enough about the opposing view to point at them and, and genuinely say that they're wrong because of this thing or that thing. Uh, but the issue is that they're both, it's just about the definition of, of one little word that, that changes everything and makes it all fall into place, in my opinion. But, uh, but yeah, we can finish up here if you want to. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I have a caller in queue. He's been waiting about 20 minutes. Would you like to take a caller? And then we'll we'll go into... Uh, well, let's take the caller first, and then we'll finish up sure. kind of like we did last time. All right, okay. hold on. Let me bring him on right now. All right, Shepard, you're live w- with Chris and Doc. Uh, go ahead and state your question, man. Hey, Doc, how's it going? Hey, uh, Chris, I I, uh, I myself, you know, I tuned in kind of late, so I don't know what all you guys were talking about, but uh, I myself kind of believe the uh, – 2012 thing is a bunch of hype and and kind of a deception but I, I was thinking about something um, Planet X actually to me has a lot of credibility and I believe it's a totally separate event from 2012 and you know I don't know when Planet X might be coming in or not but my um, what question I have basically is do you think that they would hype the events of 2012 knowing that Planet X is potentially going to swing by and cause disaster and stuff and actually kind of blame it on uh, 2012 as like a false flag. That way it would kind of well, cover you know, up the passing of the planet. 
Well, I think there's something to what you're saying there. I don't think it's Planet X. I don't think it's a planet. I don't think it's a star. I think there's lots of good reasons why it's it's not. But the idea that you have there is something that's always bugged me, honestly, is that, that idea in that Zachary Sitchin, uh, we were talking a lot about this uh, in, earlier in the show, we talked about Zachary Sitchin and why, why it's not possible, why the Planet X thing uh, was probably in the first place. It had a lot to do, in my opinion, with... Uh, uh, well, just lots of different things if you get a chance to listen to it. But one of the things that I always thought about with Zechariah Sitchin is that I honestly do believe Zechariah Sitchin was a, a knowing misinformation agent. This is, has a lot to do with uh, m- my view on Arizona Wilder's testimony and different things like that, mm-hmm. uh, his, his e- evidence itself. Mm-hmm. But if he is really uh, a disinformation agent of the level that I think that he is, then he would actually have access to probably some old data or something like that. And it's possible that that one thing if he was right about just one thing, it didn't. Again, it wouldn't have to be a planet. Uh, it would just have to be anything, anything anomalous. Uh, if he was right about anything, it would give it uh, give it some sort of credibility, and therefore give him credibility. And uh, and I, it, that stuck into my mind. I have uh, I, after knowing all the stuff that you know I know about Planet X, and I get, uh, if you get a chance to um, see the video um, that I did called the 2012 presentation, no, excuse me, it's a 2012 deception presentation, mm-hmm. and also there's a video that I just did on um, Greg Braden called Greg Braden Debunked, and there, I go through all of that in great detail. Also, there's another movie that I did called 2012 Debunked, where I go through the various details uh, about Planet X in there, too. So there's oh. lots and lots of reasons to, not, to, to, to think that it's not uh, the case, in, just in the course of uh, the time, we won't go into it all right now, but... Um, I do think that what you're essentially saying is a, po- is a possibility. Okay, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've been thinking about that myself lately. Um, it would be a good way for them to mask the passing of the planet as these events are happening. And you know what? The New World Order could almost use that to their advantage, uh, claiming its biblical prophecies uh, coming true, uh, and biblical prophecies could be a little farther down the road even. Sure. Well, yeah, and make sure, uh, or if you get a chance to anyway, at least check out the 2012 debunked movie. It's about less than 20 minutes long, and it'll definitely explain a lot of the Planet X stuff, too. Okay, yeah, we, we covered Yeah, we covered a whole bunch of, we actually covered all those points um, earlier in the show as well. And uh, we got about eight minutes to go, and I have a couple more questions for, for Mr. White. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, Shep. Feel free to Thanks call in any time, my man. Yep. Thanks Thank for you. calling. All right, so so here we are now. We we've gone through we we've gone through uh, pretty much um, everything there is to the 2012 deception, and it leads it leads me right back to here. What what is it that you recommend to everyone so that they will know the difference between the false teaching that's coming and the real teaching, the real the real truth that they're going to have to know to save themselves from what's coming. Well. Uh, I think the thing is um, is that you have to be you have to be in Christ. You have to have Him and be walking with Him. I mean, He's He's still a teacher. He still is teaching this to this day. I mean, He is. But it, and if you have a personal relationship with Him, you have this God-given discernment. Um, I would say just you know that's the main thing. If you have Him and you're and you're just and you're have enough of him to where you're on fire for him. You want to you want to read what he's about. You want to figure out what he was trying to say. 
just just realize how important it is. You know, uh, if you have any doubts about, let's say, whether or not the Bible can be trusted or anything, look into it. I encourage everyone to just really, really dig to find the truth. As we've looked and looked, there's so much misinformation about Jesus and about the Bible in, in the truth movement alone, let alone the rest of the world. It should it should point to the fact that it's extremely important. So, you know, put down the other books. Turn off the TV. Try to figure out what the God of the universe is trying to say and do it with the light of the Holy Spirit guiding you. And you can't go wrong. Pray for wisdom. Pray for knowledge. God gives good gifts. He hears prayers. He hears those prayers. You pray for those kinds of things, he's going to grant you that prayer. And, as, and you're going to grow in, in knowledge of not just these kinds of things, what's going to happen in, in the future and what's not going to happen, and you're not going to just get discernment, but you're also going to be changed into somebody that uh, is just full of joy and, and peace. It's, it's, a, it's the way to live. It's not just a book about the things that are cool. It's, about, it, it's a life-changing book that transforms you into um, the way we should be. It's a guidebook for humanity. Uh, read w- read Jesus, what he said. Read the letters of Paul. Read read this this uh, book, and you're going to be blessed for it. It makes explicit claims to that effect. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. And and I, like always, it's been an absolutely fantastic interview, Chris. And I, I can't wait to have you back again next month. Um, and I, I just have a great time uh, with the topics and, and talking with you, man. So, again, thank you for coming. And uh, give out give out your your websites and uh, of course you have a conference coming up too so tell folks about that real quick. Sure, man. Thanks a lot too. This has been I mean this is like really exciting. I don't know why it's just such a fun time with you and you're a really good interviewer. It seems to just fly by. Uh, but yeah, the 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 websites uh, nowheretorunradio.com, 2012deception.net. Both of them are currently uh, hacked and down right now. But uh, you can go to the YouTube page, the YouTube user Nowhere to Run 1984. And uh, and that's it, man. Just uh, just glad to be here. Hope to see you. Hope to see you soon. All right, man. Thank you, and God bless, huh? You too. Bye. All right, folks. Uh, what an awesome interview. What an awesome interview. Uh, we are running short of time. I just want to tell you all. Um, here, here, here is here here is the actuality of it. Um, if you have Jesus in your heart, if you've asked. For Jesus to come in your heart, if you've admitted that you're a sinner, and 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 admitted that that the only way to reach God is is through Jesus, then God will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come into your life, and you will know. It's just the Spirit will move you. The Spirit will move you to the truth. Um, if if trust me, trust me, God loves you. And he's not going to steer you wrong. So if when you run into a situation, especially what's coming, the first thing you should do is pray. Pray and ask for discernment and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. The Bible says very clearly in the end times, in the times to come, that the Holy Spirit will be there to guide you through those situations. Now, we're here, we're here on the precipice of the most amazing, epic, terrifying times to most. To someone without God, it would be utterly terrifying. Ever to take place in the history of the world. The one thing that you know you can do that will get you through is to trust in Jesus, trust in the Holy Spirit, 
and you will get to where you need to be because the Lord gives you the Holy Spirit to guide you. So having said that, if if any of you don't know the Lord out there, my email is doc at freedomizerradio.com. If you would like to get to know the Lord on a personal level, if you do not know God, you can email me. I'll give you my phone number, and we can do the whole thing together on the phone. So send me an email, and, and we'll do that. And for those of you that joined me tonight, I just want to say thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming out and making this an awesome show. Uh, with with uh, has to be my favorite guest. And uh, uh, as, as usual, I'm going to end in my usual way. Uh, thank you for joining me, and uh, I will see you on the next round. God bless all of you. <laughs>